0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the podcast of champions.
1: Nice. Out on the field.
0: I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
1: And
2: here he goes,
0: Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com.
3: Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC.
0: We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network.
2: And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football for at least a little while. Because we don't know how long the Pac-12 is going to last. doesn't seem like it's that long, but we appreciate you sticking with us. It's going to be an exciting packed of college football season 2023 the irony in there david that like the best packed twelve football season we're probably will remember in like the last 10
0: 15 years will be its last it's kind of very on brand it's last one for a while because here's the thing i will say about like the general tenor of everyone i talk to now in the world of college sports is yeah. like there's no way this lasts like there's no way like everyone just analyzing the logistical problems of like what's going on it's like it's all going to yo-yo back. Like there's just no way this can continue. Yeah. Uh so Scott, you might just have to
2: wait like 8 years. Scott says uh Pac-12 YOLO season. Yeah. Hell yeah. You're
0: you're definitely big on the people are going
2: to eventually get back to regional stuff. Either by like the two super conferences just like coming together and it's sucking up everybody and then like splitting it off into divisions or basically like, Yeah, the old it's either
0: it's either um it's either suck everything in to then explode. Um sort of um wasn't that a universal theory of how it all got started? The Big, band. Like it's big a, Bang Yeah, but here. it's like this like kind of oscillation thing that's going on over billions and billions of years. Okay. Where it's just implosion and explosion. Um, that or um, the like schools that are really, really serious and that's only like 15 schools nationally will just do their own thing. And then everyone else can get back to just playing college football. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you joining us uh we are on all the different podcasting platforms so thank you for if you're listening there and if you are on our YouTube channel I've uh, been getting a lot of uh good feedback on the YouTube channel so seeing our ugly mugs while we're uh, uh call it simulcasting Dave doesn't call it that but we're broad- that's because that's not what it is but we are uh broadcast- Can we say broadcasting are we broadcasting yeah, I mean live? sure
0: uh simulcast again. That's like Vin Scully recording on the radio at the same time that he's like on TV. He's in two different things simultaneously. Well, we are on the podcast, and... Can somebody download the podcast right now? No. Do we... So if I made the podcast live somewhere... If then... the audio was live, then you could properly call this a simulcast. Okay. Yeah. Nice.
2: Uh, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, but yeah, wherever we're on the YouTube channel, please like and subscribe us there. It's free to do it. You know, Just hit that little like button. The uh, notification, little bell, hit that if you want to be notified whenever we go live. We'll be doing it uh, once a week going forward throughout the college football season. And uh, we're going to continue with our previews. Um, we have at least five of the six previews of the schools we didn't preview last week. We're working on that last one. Hopefully we'll be able to get <coughs> get that one in there in the queue and preview all of those schools and then next week is going to be game previews because it's going to be week 0 and you have USC playing that first week. Uh and then you have uh Arizona State and Utah playing on Thursday uh you know before week 1. So we're getting into the games right away. We have to do all of our picks for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I downloaded the uh you know the schedule that's like a grid on uh the Pac-12 channel or whatever, or the Pac-12 website. So I'm just going to use that. You know, I used to go through and write all the stuff out like it's our last season. I'm just going to like highlight the, the things that the teams i think are going to win so i'm going to do it real easy this year david i don't you already picked yours right
0: i'm already done but i i reserve the right to go in and adjust things as we go okay uh before uh before and it's going to be set in stone once we reveal our picks that right. that week before the games so you got to got to got to firm it up in the meantime. We, we have some new reviews. Have we gotten to that part oh, of the uh, not uh,
2: We haven't done the intro, uh, the whole intro yet, but you can call or text us at 424 You can email us, pactfulpodcast.com uh, at gmail.com. I'm sorry. The website is pactfulpodcast.com. And then over on Reddit, I don't know if we even look at that anymore, but we probably <laughs> don't. Uh, the Apple Podcasting <laughs> app, though, is a great place to listen to the podcast. If you want to follow us there, super helps. It's like the most popular podcasting platform out there. And when you rate us with the five stars and talk trash to us, it's a lot of fun for you. It's fun for us. We get to read it on the air. We will read it if it's uh, five stars and not too long. If it's, you know, someone's writing Moby Dick in there, we're not going to read the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, we love to do those. And especially, you know, the self-deprecating ones We just kind of just crush us. That's fine. As long as you leave us five stars, that's what we want.
0: I, I will say this uh, before I get to reading our three new reviews. Uh, I will say this. Three? If well. you want to write Moby Dick, it's got to be in, like, June. Okay. Yeah. Like if, like, if it's going to be like a long, completely irrelevant uh, review, I will read it, but it's got to be like off season, like deep off season when we're trying to fill space. Yeah. Um, all right. We got three new reviews. This is from Fitbit Return, five stars. Outstanding. Found the pod in desperate search of more realignment content. Oh. When it was said there was some heavy bias on the USC LA schools, I was ready to be disappointed. Thankfully, this is a pretty fair assessment of all the schools. Excellent work, guys. Go Ducks.
2: Hey, that's hey. nice. What should we try? Look at that. We would usually like talk more trash about the programs we cover than prop them
0: up or whatever. That's our –
2: David, maybe a little bit of basketball. Like if, the, if UCLA – Oh, well, like uh, yeah. I'm
0: a, I'm a big UCLA basketball honk. But thankfully, <laughs> this isn't a basketball show. Yeah. Uh, Jim and Kent, a five-star review. Post-Pac-12 ideas. Love your ideas for keeping the podcast going in the post-Pac-12 era. A virtual Pac-12 okay yeah we're, we're still kicking things around we'll, we we'll, are we gotta we'll figure this out we'll hopefully have something to reveal relatively soon five stars from trace j13 love the pod next steps i have thoroughly enjoyed the show thank you for all the work you've put into it over the years i know the future of the pod is up in the air my preference would be to continue the show following the same 12 teams in their new leagues thank you and go denny killingham all right i may have read that last week already that's okay
2: uh thank you for those uh we appreciate that you know all the reviews are great. We're not even, like, uh, bribing people with Jockey gift cards or
0: anything. No, we used to do that. Um, If you are a new listener, we used to offer Jockey gift cards for the best reviews, which is a great way to farm five-star reviews.
2: It was good. We got a lot of reviews. It was awesome. And we gave a bunch of gift cards away, thanks to uh, the folks at Jockey. I don't know. Maybe we'll do some more during the season. I I think Jockey is still associated with the Pac-12. Even if they're not, they can still be associated with us. Those people have been great. Uh, we got, love jockey we have lots of jockey underwear and stuff now um, I'm wearing
0: jockey underwear and I believe jockey shorts nice yeah uh but yeah thanks
2: uh to them any other kind of
0: housekeeping stuff
2: David like we the preview should be good waiting on uh
0: yeah I mean we're just, one of them yeah so we'll do we'll finish up the team previews today so we're just gonna do kind of nuts and bolts and then quick projections on the season and then next week we'll have our full season preview and a game preview and then it'll be off to the races where we're gonna do a a whole bunch of previews and reviews every single week. Yeah, a lot we'll of fun. K-
2: we'll keep track of all our, our stats and all that kind of stuff about you know how we do picks uh, for the game. Uh, I believe uh, my bookie's gonna be back, so that's good. So I t- I've talked to them, so we'll probably be doing some stuff with them. I, last week, last year, I had a lot of fun betting my picks. You know, mm-hmm. so it was good to do that, and I you know made a little money, which was nice. Um, but we we'll- you would have made more if you'd been betting whose picks. Uh, maybe a li- little more. It depends.
0: The confidence level would have been low, but I might have. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be willing to but back I'm... my provably right. better picks with your money? <laughs> for one season? Come on. Interesting. Uh,
2: yeah. So we'll be doing some of that, and it'll be a lot of fun. Like go, the, the game should be great, especially late in the season. Like, holy cow, there's so many good matchups. you got to give the of credit for the way they created the schedule. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's some fun early games Two, i mean like yeah usc san jose state shouldn't be much of a good game they get to see the heisman trophy winner in like week zero that's not bad i mean utah hosting florida like come on you know and then you know getting asu seeing what they're going to look like right out of the gate i think we start off it's it's going to be pretty strong colorado you are that's must see tv the whole way like you know i've already seen promotions for it on fox for going to uh uh to play at tcu now maybe it's a bloodbath but still like there's going to be some really cool stuff uh, early on. And I think it kind of, you know, whets your appetite, gets you into the season. And who knows, you know, we think the top six teams or so are like the better ones and then the bottom six ones. But if some of those bottom six, last year it didn't happen a lot where the bottom six kind of beat the top six team. But, you know, maybe it'll happen a little bit more this year. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it, it, I, having like five ranked teams for a lot of the season should be a lot of fun. You know, like it, it, you get that little number by your name and it just, you get more attention. I think the Pac-12... Quarterback play, those little numbers by the names, I think it's going to get a lot of attention.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I would say uh, my general read of the Pac-12 is that the top definitely is improved. Um, like the top five-ish, six-ish is, I think, again, the best it's been probably in 10 years. And the bottom – and I don't know if part of this is that they just don't feel as hopeless with um, you know Herm Edwards and Carl Durrell no longer uh, coaching. But <laughs> th- th- it just doesn't feel as assy. At the right. bottom, like David Shaw is gone. Herm Edwards is gone. Carl Durrell has gone. Like guys who were really bringing down the league last year and for Shaw, a long decline uh, for Durrell, you know, kind of a historical tradition for him. Um, but those guys are gone. There's a little bit more hope in those programs. Um, so even if Stanford is bad, it's bad in a different way this year. Even if ASU is bad, it's bad in a different way this year. Yeah. Um, and Colorado, I don't think anyone's expecting them to be awful. I think people are expecting maybe some surprising things from them. So even that back half, it feels like there's at the very least reason for fans to be excited and hopeful. Um, and potentially, you know, Arizona could climb into the top six this year. Yeah, uh, there's there's potential for that.
2: It kind of sucks because there's some teams you could see over the years would build up. Like what would Colorado be two years from now or a year from now? What would Arizona State be? Um, you know, there it's like. And Stanford, even you know, like they, I, I, they, they were, they needed a huge turnaround. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it could have been year two, year three. Now you're not going to see that. Well, we don't know. Uh, but we were talking about those little numbers. Uh, by the way, Johnny says the best thing about Utah versus Florida is that Utah man and Florida man might be the most polar opposite people in the world. LOL. That's probably true. That's a good it one. That's probably true. Um, speaking of those little numbers, though, the the AP poll came out uh five teams in the pac-12 ranked uh you got usc uh number six uh that's the same thing they were in the coaches poll washington uh number 10 they ended the season number eight so they dropped actually a little bit in the ap poll uh utah ended the season number 10 they are number uh 14 so they dropped a few spots uh oregon uh comes in at number 15 Uh, they weren't ranked last year And then Oregon State uh, ended the season at 17. They're starting the season at 18. So pretty consistent top 20 team for the Beavs. Um, But yeah, that's where kind of the the teams are right now, David.
0: Yeah, um, and that all seems right. I mean, again, I make this point all the time when these polls come out. Uh, The AP poll doesn't really matter once we get into the thick of the season. Um, For preseason, though, I think for setting the stage um, of what a lot of the framework is for how people are going to understand the season it is still super important um because it's the kind of official one the coaches poll is bullshit horse shit terrible cr- created by uh, assistant sids with too much work on their plates right. coaches never look at them it's nonsense um this one i mean yeah you've got your outliers who are doing something avant-garde with their uh uh you know with their lists but You got to understand most media members have an ego, but they also have this deep well of insecurity um, because they're covering and I'll just, you know, you're covering people who are extremely talented and you're just like some schlub who writes. (laughs) So, you know, that like the things that actually do get attached to your name in a meaningful way, you want to actually make them pretty good. Like if you can help it, because it's like this is this is going to reflect poorly on me if I if I screw this up. So I think there's a little bit more due diligence taken with how you do it and it also pulls a lot of people um you get a broad spectrum yeah. of people and uh I'm a big uh you know not always but uh wisdom in the masses.
2: No, I agree with you. I like I mean I like the AP poll. I'm not a big watch list guy. Preseason stuff is sort of like whatever but you know you get into the season and like I think it makes a little bit more sense. Um, let's see. So some topics we're going to get to before we do the previews. Uh, we want to know, I know there's a lot of talk about Cal and Stanford, um, Oregon state and Washington state. They're just sort of like, again, just waiting for something to happen. But, uh, Wilner tweeted out earlier today, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday that he thinks that there's something could be resolved in the next 24 hours with Cal and Stanford. Um, a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, you know, they're looking to get into the ACC you have people sort of lobbying for these schools like Condoleezza Rice, I think was lobbying for Stanford. Um, you need 12 out of the 15 votes. Uh, I guess Notre Dame gets a vote too. And apparently the nos right now, David are Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and North Carolina State. Uh, and that you know the big opposition would be, you know they don't bring much uh, value as far as money goes. This is of course the the you know Atlantic Coast Conference, meaning all of these schools are on the Atlantic coast. And all of them are in the Eastern time zone. So about as far away as you could get from Stanford to Cal. But, you know, we've seen weirder things in realignment. Um, so right now, and a lot of people are pissed at Florida State because there was a deadline to leave the conference. If they wanted to leave the conference for 2024, they would have to have notified by two days ago, uh, August 15th. And now uh, that's passed. But they're still, you know, rattling out of cages, making a lot of noise. And you're like, oh, you want to leave, and now you're blocking someone new from coming in. So people were kind of pissed about that. But apparently, at least Gordon and Willner, we're going to find out something soon. Um, any thoughts on the whole Cal-Stanford to the ACC thing, besides the fact that it doesn't make much sense, like I think you've
0: pointed out before? What do you mean, besides? That's the entire <laughs> thing. It doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. I mean, and even less so than the Big Ten moves for so many West Coast schools, because the ACC is, is as it says, an Atlantic conference every single game will be going deep into the east coast yeah uh it's eastern time zone it's dopey it's dopey for doing it if you're doing it for very little money um it's dopey to do it for all the olympic sports but all this stuff's dopey uh that is a i would i would there have to be conversations at the highest level of cal that's like this doesn't make any sense yeah like it doesn't if the choice is continue as a Mountain West school or go make ten million more dollars to be in a in a league that it will will fall apart soon, um, I, I, not really soon because it's twenty
2: thirty six is their deal, so no, you're, you're Florida State's gonna go lot. get
0: Saudi oil money to like buy half of their university so they can get out of that deal because they're serious. Um, so no, I mean I I don't think it's last until twenty thirty six. I think that's just um. Uh, an impediment for uh what's going to happen but regardless this adds instability to the acc it doesn't add stability Uh, it adds two programs that are going to be takers not makers on the media deal front and uh it adds an insane travel schedule if you're an acc program trying to win something like if you're clemson and one year you're like oh we got a national title team but then you've got to (laughs) go to freaking palo alto and play a game What's that all about? Yeah. Um, There's a reason why, like, the Florida – I mean, they're SEC, but just as an example, didn't play a a game in the non-conference outside the state of Florida for, like, 30 years until this year against Utah. Yeah. Like, you don't do that because it's hard. And adding that to go play – it's not – you're not doing it to go play USC. You're doing it to go play Cal. (laughs) I don't know. I can see why Florida State might be a hard no on that and why, you know, schools of the Pulse might be a hard no on that uh, for a variety of reasons. They want the league to be unstable as it is right now so they can get out of this quickly. But also yeah. for competitive reasons, what is the purpose of adding Stanford and Cal? Yeah, apparently
2: SMU wants to join, too. And they're like their boosters are so rich. They're like, don't even pay us for like five years. Like that's there's some crazy stuff going on. Um, people. You know, pushing behind the scenes with you know high level power brokers in the country trying to make stuff happen. I think both schools would rather be in the Big Ten, and I think it would make sense for Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA to have Cal and Stanford in there. Um, you know, less travel. You kind of have your West Coast pod. That would make no, the no, most sorry, sense. Sorry, sorry,
0: sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's not. That would make more sense. The thing that would make the most sense is that none of this happened. Right, but it's happening. But if we're in the land of make-believe, if we're in the land of nonsense, which apparently no, we're in the we're land all, of reality, we're all agreeing, we are. We're all agreeing that that's what this is. The land of nonsense is not the land of reality. Um, then yes, the Big Ten is the better solution. Uh, and then the only other solution that should really be considered is either reform the Pac-12 and get other schools into it, which I, I think probably a non-starter with the way they're talking about it the aac again doesn't make sense it does not make sense no it's going to cost those schools so much money to do that um but if that doesn't make sense uh mountain west
2: yeah and you know the wilner had a story about like what the pac-12 is kind of worth and we've talked about this before sort of like if you have a if you took a company public and it failed and you went you know you go bankrupt or whatever uh there's still some value there just but you the tox the stock ticker you have like there's some value in like the shell that's left over there's all all honestly
0: i found that story more depressing than any part of any of this it was like yeah you can scrounge some stuff out of the dumpster in the bottom of the dumpster there's some cash that you can maybe pick up it is millions of dollars though because it, it was like you can sell this metal. Like, if you find copper wiring yeah. in the trash, you can go sell it for a premium. Like, it's it is like selling the copper wiring out of the, your, your, <laughs> your office building. Like,
2: we had this <laughs> yeah. thriving thing company that we like produced, whatever widgets out the ass. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, everyone left. There's no more widgets being produced. But we had a lot of copper in the walls. Let's get that. Yeah.
0: No, that's what it is. And it's like, yeah, okay, a one time influx of cash to do what? Like, to, to, build a conference that's significantly worse that you're going to have like media deals that range from like single figures to like low double digits for your schools and like maybe that's the model that all of this should probably take at some point at some level it's all all the schools that are unserious should just drop down to whatever that level is going to be and they'll be pioneers in that space but man, reading about how they can scrounge cash out of uh, money that other schools have made—like literally, not even like by virtue of being in the LA market, USC and UCLA are valuable. No, no, no. like literally, the amount of money that Arizona got from like NCAA tournament m- runs is going to go to Stanford and Cal. Right. It's just, ugh. yeah. <laughs> like, so what a, what a you thing. You get
2: units. So if you didn't know, so you get NCAA units. It's, it's they're paid out over like a six <laughs> six year period. And the Pac-12 got a bunch a couple years ago. Um, and so when that happens, you get there's none for the COVID year, but there were a couple of good years of Pac-12 tournament runs, and then all those units pile up. But you don't get paid of them right away. They're paid over six years. So all those schools that are leaving don't get to take those units with them. There's only four schools left, so they get to split You know, the 12, 12 teams trying to earn those units, although not all of them did. But only four teams will split them. So there was... Wilder's kind of talking about, well, how can you scrounge some money together to maybe pay the buyouts for some of these Mountain West teams because there is still value in just the Pac-12 itself. Instead of those teams like joining the Mountain West, it'd be better if it goes the other way around. But then you'd probably have to kill the Mountain West because all of those exit fees, I don't think anyone could afford all that. So, um crazy stuff. Uh uh John says that analogy was solid copper. Yeah. No, I think that was a good I think that, that's a good analogy. Yeah, um, NorCal Matt says Stanford refused to go down. The networks may have decided that they need to go down. Um, but the campus, school, leadership, athletic program and football program refused. They'll go independent first. Yeah, I don't think Stanford wants to join the Mountain West or anything. So it, it would have it sort of have to be the other way around. I don't think Cal does
0: either, but um, it's kind of crazy. There was some other stuff. I mean, sorry, uh, earmuffs Mountain West. Nobody wants to join your league. That's not nice. San Diego State wanted to get out of it. They were trying to, they mean, wanted to get out of it to jump onto a sinking ship. That's how bad they wanted out of the Mountain West. Yeah.
2: Um, it is kind of crazy just what San Diego State – like they looked like they were in a good spot and like nope. A um, few notes from around just kind of on this realignment stuff. I know we want to get into the previews. Uh, John Casano had Scott Barnes, the athletic director from Oregon State, on. And he had some interesting things to say. I don't know if you heard the clip, but he said basically the deal was done I think on like Tuesday or something – Um, and whatever happened, I mean, it just, it fell apart, obviously, but he said that some of the other programs that that left, they're probably going to end up having buyer's remorse. They, they took them a little while to get used to this, like streaming, you know, idea, but they felt like they could really make it work. At least that was the talk in the room that, um, you know, linear is not the future streaming is. So you kind of go early and then, you know, but they, they felt like it was going to make it work. So it seemed like it was Kumbaya in the room. And he was pretty pissed talking about it. I don't know if he was directing it directly at, like, Oregon or Washington, but it might have been that. Um, he kind of took a shot at Colorado. He's like, even when Colorado left, we were going to get better. He didn't say they were going to add San Diego State, but he said they were going to add a program that would have made us better, which the Pac-12 should have done. Like, they did, they waited. It was stupid. Um, once Colorado decided to leave. Um, but he thought that they could have really closed the gap between the SEC and the Big Ten. I don't know if that could have happened, but – I believe him that, the, that there was a deal in place, and then uh, things just kind of fell apart. But he was pretty uh, he was he seemed pretty steamed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's possible to hold two thoughts within your mind on um, the 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 nature of the media deals that were offered. On one hand, if you looked at it in just a pure vacuum, given what everyone is now going to be faced with um, in terms of travel, in terms of all this stuff, if you look at the Apple TV deal, okay, it's incentive laden, but you know I, and we don't know the exact structure um but you know with heavy you know uh push for it it's a streaming thing so it's not quite the same thing as like the red zone channel could you get to a million could you get to 1.5 million subscribers um and if you do could you outperform expectations could you negotiate it even further up to like 26 or 27 as the base These are the kinds of things where, like, I think if you were looking at it in November of 2022, you might say, okay, we can sign up for that. That's okay. And if it's a strong pitch, if it makes sense, if it's, you know, well presented by Klyavkov... But on the other hand, as like an 11th hour thing, when everyone's got at least a few toes out the door um, already, if not a whole foot, if not their entire body, and they're just like leaving the door open, just shouting goodbyes at you awkwardly because you won't say goodbye, you'll just be like, oh, but I had one more thing. And, and you're like kind of holding the door open and you're like, yeah, yeah, I got to leave though. Um, whatever the the metaphorical situation, uh, it, it, you can't present that offer as your final thing. And it sounds like, Piecing all this stuff together it sounds like there was a pitch for still a linear package towards the end which is what and i don't know if this is just washington's cover for what they did but it sounds like that was the deal they thought they would be signing on friday and right. then it turned out they weren't now that seems that 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 rings false to me um but i think it's the cover they're using i think there was a pitch from kleovkov to do that as recently as like a week or two before but those things don't fall apart, and then you're suddenly just presenting a streaming-only deal on Friday. Um, yeah. So all that being said, could the streaming-only deal have worked? Sure. Could it have been, as Michael Crow put it, some 23rd century Star Trek thing? Maybe. I don't know. How's that guy still employed? I don't know. He sounds ridiculous every time I hear him speak. Um, it, so so there's a great job. there's a great speech uh, of what he was saying um, where I watched the video of it, and he was talking about it, and he was like, Yeah, and and it would just be digital. It would be on demand, where you can just watch it whenever you want. And uh, that's so critical. And it was like he had never heard of streaming before, or a (laughs) DVR. like It was crazy. Um, So anyway, there's there's, uh, so many, so many factors. But I think a huge part of this that's just... It's been hit, but should hit it again, timing. Timing is everything. And the way you present something is everything. And I think Klyavkov missed in a lot of ways. But just the fact that there was an ESPN offer apparently late summer last year or yeah. early fall last year, and then between that and now, the only thing that came up was an Apple TV deal that could have been presented at any time.
2: Yeah, the apparently, the essentially the Big 12 deal, the Pac-12 could have signed. And it looks like there was a LA Times article um, talking about this a little bit. And one of the things they said about that was um, – one of the Pac-12 presidents said he worked with a professor on oh, his yeah. campus who estimated the school's market value would be $50 million per school. So the $30 million offer they got from ESPN, which is essentially – this was October 22, 2022, according to the LA Times. Essentially, the, what the Big 12 end up coming in and taking away, they're like, oh, if they won't take it, we will. So just completely outmaneuvered there. So then they tell all the presidents they want to get $50 million per school. They basically tell that to ESPN and they're like, no. And you know, when you start, if you're like negotiating and you start at some ridiculously high level, it doesn't look like you're serious. And I think that, you know, at, at that point, another, you probably missed up from Klayovkov, just like backing away and waiting, like you needed to do something uh, to make this happen. Because once you screwed that up, then it allowed the Big 12 to jump you in line and then take away. There was only, I don't think you realized there was just limited linear capacity out there and the big 12 said i will take it and then move on you know so i thought that was kind of interesting i know there's other start parts of the story you want to talk about but that was kind of interesting that was one of the presidents you know that was there was like no we want to stick for 50 million and then there's like nah
0: so big thing that comes across in the la times piece which i really think um everybody should give a read uh to brady mccullough did a great job. Is that the presidents are all, as I've been saying, when I can name any of them, uh, idiots. Every single one of them, just a dumbass. Um, And I think everyone would just be better served by just taking everybody in authority down like several pegs in your mind as to, look, are they good at their job? Well, what is their job? Their job is to like fundraise for their university. Like, are they good at like talking to people? Maybe. Are they good at like understanding the business of sports? Uh, objectively, no. No. Like, obviously not. Like, I think if you got the UC Regents in a room with the presidents, I think it would be like, like to like. It would be like, oh yeah, we're all speaking the same language. The language of I've never watched a sporting event in my life, and I don't even know how many players are on the field. Yeah, Um, let alone
2: knowing how it works behind the scenes. Right. Come on.
0: So there's just a there's there's many many factors to the story, but um, that was a critical piece. I would say there is a little bit um. Just kind of with the uh, Big 12 and their kind of position on realignment, I still sniff a little bit of collusion here. Like, oh, the Big 12 just knew to jump the line and, and go get that deal right then at the same time that they were that that offer was being presented to the Pac-12 and, you know, not taking things in their proper order. Or was ESPN like, hey, yeah, no, come over here. You do that. And that way we're, we're screwing over one of you leagues. So which one's going to jump first? Um, so they're like, we're going to kill one of you. We don't care which one who's going to make, we don't really easier? care which one who's, who's going to jump at this. Um, so whatever, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the thing I thought was most interesting, um, which I think people are, some people are reading it one way and some people are reading it the other, um, is that Klyavkov spent a whole shitload of time as we, as he was saying publicly, but as was the reality behind the scenes, trying to block UCLA from going to the big 10. And the story details, and again, read it, uh, the story details that he received a number from the UC Regents uh, at the level at which they would block the deal. $52 million a year for UCLA. This is nonsense on on several levels. One, at $52 million, guess what? The Regents wouldn't have needed to block the deal because there would have been no deal because UCLA would have been like, yeah, of course I'm signing up for $52 million a year. To stay on like,
2: the West Coast. It's yeah.
0: not like I want to go play games in like Bloomington. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? Um, So that, two, uh, that level of unequal revenue sharing was a non-starter from the jump with all of the other schools in the Pac-12. It's one thing for USC to ask for unequal revenue. And you could see maybe some other schools in the league saying, all right, we'll give them an extra $10 million a year. But if it's only UCLA left, you think Oregon is ever going to sign up to give them more money? And that's just, again, going back to the critique of Kliavkov, a uh, newcomer, didn't understand the landscape, didn't understand the politics of these schools, didn't understand how the dynamics work. If he ever thought he could get that over on the Pac-12 schools, like if he ever thought he could get over, oh, yeah, $52 million to UCLA and you're still going to get your 30 or whatever, he's crazy. Like that that just was never going to happen. And three, if it was ever going to happen, it wasn't going to be through the regents. You wouldn't have needed to negotiate through the regents at all if you just told UCLA what's the number that will keep you and they said fifty-two million dollars, then you can say to the other schools, okay, they'll they'll just not do this, and we also have to come up with their exit fee. Yeah. Um, but there was also an exit fee. It wasn't just a fifty-two million dollars, it was a one-time fifteen million dollar uh fee to get out of the Big Ten deal. So anyway, a lot of stupidity. End result. This was never a serious thing. It was presented as a serious thing in this story, but on its face, it's ridiculous. There was never going to be a $52 million deal for UCLA. Therefore, the Regents were never going to block the deal. Therefore, George Klayovkov wasted a whole shitload of time yes. doing this. To me, that's like,
2: that's desperation. And I think what root, the the root cause of all this is denial. We talked about when George Klayovkov came in, and I think it's very similar – I mean they, even with Larry Scott, when he first came in, there was just stuff that Tom Hansen did that were just – this is archaic, like just modernized things. There was low-hanging fruit that you could fix. And he got close to making a big home run. Archaic, like
0: having his offices in Walnut Creek instead of uh, you know downtown San Francisco. That
2: wasn't fixed. But he did
0: fix some stuff.
2: Uh, the you know, getting rid of the $8 million a year offices, like things like that. There was a lot of low hanging fruit, fixing the schedules, focusing on the playoff and not parody. Like the stuff that Larry Scott screwed up, knowing that football drives the bus and acknowledging that he did some really good things in the beginning. But I think the the denial part happens when USC and UCLA left. And then it's sort of like, it's like you're like la 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 that didn't really happen but we're still going to negotiate a deal uh with like they're still here oh we can stop UCLA from going with the regions we'll do that it was sort i think there was like a he was in denial that this was happening and didn't adjust you have to you know the the range was changing you have to adjust your sights here like okay we can't get what we were going to get before we are not going to be the number 3 power 5 league without USC and UCLA unless we can go out and get some Big brands, but that's already happened. We're, we're sort of like the last one at the table here. There's no one else really big to get. So you have to say, okay, what are we going to do? Well, other people could leave. Let's survive as the premier West Coast conference and build from that. And I don't think he ever adjusted to that. He just was in denial that USC and UCLA were gone and never, never changed his – I mean, he had these goals. And then once those two schools leave, you have to lower your goals. Like, you have to lower your expectations. Like, you're out in the dating pool – And you're like, "Eh, everything's great. And then, like, you lose all your hair. Like, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to get the same kind of level of person that uh, I was going to get before. Like, you have to readjust your expectations. I don't think he did. And then you end up, you you get nothing and you end up losing everything. So you get nothing. You get nothing and like it.
0: Um, Um, Yeah. And a major difference uh, between Tom Hansen and Larry Scott and those who come after. And this is a really important difference. If I remember correctly, in March of 2004, My first story for the Daily Bruin. Yes. I was writing about the adoption of Instant Replay in the Big Ten and whether the Pac-10 would similarly adopt him. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe I got Tom Hansen on the phone within like 20 minutes. Wow. At the Daily Bruin. And he was like, no, we're not doing that. And was like totally dismissive of the entire idea of Instant Replay, which is totally on brand for the Pac-10. Uh but I was able to get that dude on the phone as a student reporter in those days. The, the, those, that was not that long ago. That was uh, early 2000s, and the Pac-10 was still operating, where like you could get the commissioner on a phone call with like little trouble.
2: Yeah, Larry Scott wouldn't talk to people that worked there, let alone yeah. like, You know, he would. He the funny thing was that like, he wouldn't talk to athletic directors. He would only talk to presidents. You know, and the guy, the president, the guys that didn't know much about sports, he could like win them over and the athletic directors like saw through the bullshit, you know but he wouldn't tell even talk to them so yeah crazy stuff uh, I miss what,
0: Tom Hansen. that's all I'm saying
2: one other quick thing uh Jason shear said uh this was kind of interesting he he wrote an article like kind of on some of the propaganda and everything if you remember towards the end I made a prediction on Twitter and I said I think Arizona is going to be the only other team to leave and so Colorado already left and I think that I said I think the rest of the league might stay and it looked like it Potentially could have happened, but then uh, we heard from Michael Crow again, who was saying that they were joined at the hip and they were never going to, you know split up or whatever. Apparently that was just more bullshit to make him <laughs> look better. Um, but Sheer was saying that Arizona definitely was willing to leave. They had applied for membership before those other schools. So they were out ahead of the curve. So there, that, that possibility of them being the only team to leave, I think was still out there. Um, but they could have left and they were willing to leave without Arizona State and Utah. Um, but he, I, apparently Michael Crow was doing that to kind of put pressure on them to stay. So I thought that was kind of an interesting tidbit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it certainly sounds as if, uh, Robin Roberts, uh, was definitely more willing to go than, uh, than the dumbass Michael Crow, which, uh, you know, kind of adheres to everything we've seen so far. Uh, by the way, we just got our, uh, sixth preview. So I will download that
2: while we're doing, um, while we're, uh doing our other previews. But should we get into the
0: previews? We should get into the previews. Let's start previewing some schools. Let's talk some actual goddamn pigskin. Talk some pigskin? Um, let's see. Where do you want to go first? Oh
2: god, choose your fighter, man. Let's go with Washington State Cougars.
0: Are you want to... Are you excited about them? Can we do the Washington State Cougars? I mean, it's always it's the time of hope. So let's pre-season. go with the, you know, let's go with the Cougar sound. All right, let's do some Washington State preview.
3: This is Jamie Vinnick with kookfan.com previewing the Washington State uh, football 2023 season. Cougars are looking to build off the year in which they won seven games. and made it to a bowl, but obviously fell short in a number of games, including any game against a ranked
4: team or a team
3: with uh, significantly more talent um, and higher recruits. Uh, Washington State does bring back a lot of their offense. Cam Ward at quarterback, Kiel Watson at running back, to name a couple. Um, they do lose a handful of receivers, but uh, the, the overall fields, there's probably an upgrade there. Josh Kelly from Fresno State, Kyle Williams from UNLV, Isaiah Hamilton from San Jose State, all three Mountain West transfers. Um, and then a Juco transfer, D.T. Sheffield from Northwest uh, Mississippi Community College, a guy with incredible, incredible speed. They do bring back Lincoln Victor to that room and add a really talented freshman in Carlos Hernandez, who is, uh came in the spring really impressed and will likely be in the rotation to, to some degree. The offensive line's in a bit of an interesting spot um, as I'm leaving this message on Thursday, uh, August 17th. Validi Fatmoe, the expected right tackle, has not practiced over the last week and a half. Uh, the hope is he'll be back for the game, but in the interim, there's been a lot of shuffling along the line. Connor Gomness is safe at center. And then as of late, it has been at the pull at left tackle. Brock Dew at right guard. Uh, the left guard has been Maake Safita and it's been Christian Condu at right tackle. They are just getting Christian Hilborn back from an injury, so he might be rotating back in soon. But that position is still up for grabs in a lot of ways. Defensively, the defensive line is pretty much set with Ron Stone and Brennan Jackson at edge, David Gusa and Nussi Milani at defensive tackle, and there's a lot of depth at those positions as well. you can go about six deep at edge with Quinn Roth, Lawrence Valatea, Ray Rayam Stevenson, and Andrew Edson, and also have a young freshman named Isaac Terrell who's at a big camp. At defensive tackle, there's more depth than there was last year. Ansel Dinba is another freshman who's been impressive. And they have Naheem Rodman, a transfer from Colorado. Also, a former offensive lineman, Janias Safia, who has had a good camp. Linebackers seem to be pretty much set with Devin Richardson and Kyle Thornton expected to start. But the rotation behind them is still a little unclear. Amon McCullough has missed some time with injury. But line of walk-on, Josh Erling has had a good last couple of weeks. And Tariq al looks like he's going to be a big factor. The one big position battle still remaining is that nickel. It's been competitive, Gushkin and Jackson Latamua doing battle. The feeling right now is it's probably going to be a split uh, rep between those two guys when the season comes around. But how they will end up splitting those reps, that part is still unclear. Uh, quarterback shot, Smith Wade and Cam Lankin. Smith Wade, one of the best corners in the country. He will be set to start in 2023. And draw the toughest matchup, Cam Lankin replacing Derek Langford as the number two corner. In the secondary, Sam Lockett got a broken hand, um, but has been practicing with a club, so he will be the starting free safety with Jaden Hick at strong safety.
2: The way that's uh, so, we have three minutes voicemails, so I think a lot of the ones were the previews have sort of run into that a little bit, so they sort of
0: end. He got through the units, though. He got through most everything. <laughs> Very, um, good stuff there, though. That yeah, was that was great stuff. Uh, really detailed. Um, I wasn't encouraged by what I was hearing about the offensive line, because uh, if you remember watching Washington State last year, uh, you kind of pick your, you know, choose your fighter as to why the offense didn't ever really get going. A lot of it was the offensive line, and some of it was Cam Ward. Um, and so don't love hearing that the offensive line is still kind of a work in progress at this point. Um Normal. I mean, normal if you're, you know, integrating some new pieces and there's guys with injuries, but it's still, you know, if you're if you were if you were a Washington State fan, you're thinking, what's the one thing I really want to see out of this team? Uh, offensive line, because if you get a good offensive line, maybe you see a lot different cam ward who yeah. knows um, with a little bit more development with time and experience and then also with a little bit more security back there. Um, So that was interesting Um, replacing all those receivers with it sounds like a good amount of. Uh, solid transfers is good uh linebacker core i know they lost a lot of good pieces uh dan henley to the nfl draft um but replaced them with a bunch of transfers too so i think defensively they'll probably be pretty similar maybe a little bit better than last year it's just that offense is it going to actually be significantly improved um from where it was last year when it felt like um kind of the critique i'd had for the washington offense and the uh in the later years, the Jimmy Lake years particularly, where it was just – it felt so hard to get like four yards. Um, And some of that was Cam Ward just taking dump-offs all the time on like wide receiver screens. But some of it was just the offense was just a chore, constantly a chore. And I just want to see something a little bit more explosive and a little bit more efficient this year.
2: I forget which game it was the end of the year, but I had like picked Washington State. And to watch their offense throw the ball to the line
0: of scrimmage over – it was over. The, it might have been the Utah. Game. I forget what it was. But. There was one game where I was like clown with somebody on Twitter about Cam Ward. I can't remember who. And it was, um, oh, he's he's on pace for 300 yards. I'm like, he's going to throw for like 20 more yards in this game. Um, <laughs> and then turns out he did. Like it was the entire second half was just check down, check down, check down oh constantly to the sideline. Um, and the other team can't even remember what game it was the other team just had it completely scouted out at that point and that was the thing is that that offense looked like it got fully scouted out because they weren't challenging teams at all uh you know down the seams deep at all um so there's a lot there's a lot left to to do offensively for them and i would have i would have liked to have heard offensive line looks great you know they're you know it looks like that's a unit that's really going to surprise some people
2: you thought with his head coach from incarnate word like they would as the offensive coordinator that was going to work and i don't know if it just didn't so now you're going to go in another direction i don't pretend to be some great football mind there's like sort of basics that you look at and you're like these are general understandings some of the stuff when you're throwing a ball to the line of scrimmage you're throwing a screen it's Maybe people are getting a little aggressive and they're getting in the backfield, and you kind of dump it over the top of them, or they're like taking away the deep shit, and you're like, okay, I'll dump it off, and we're gonna pick up yards. It's
0: all about setup, but when they take advantage when Set people up, are like advantage.
2: basically guarding the line of scrimmage, like we're like, okay, with this is where we're playing defense, and you continue to throw balls to the line of scrimmage that yeah. like go absolutely nowhere. I'm like. Is there something I'm missing? Is This this doesn't make much sense to me. And that was what watch, watching Washington State offense last year was kind of like that.
0: Yeah, they were setting up deep play action for this season. <laughs> I thought it was so bad. All right, let's go to – why don't we – Oh, do, hang on. Let's, oh, let's uh, do a little, uh, oh, a little schedule. schedule. Um, so –
2: They got Wisconsin at home,
0: right? Yeah, they have Wisconsin at home. So last year, if you remember, they beat Wisconsin on the road um and this is the first time again that a major power five university is coming to pullman f- in the non-conference in forever like almost yeah. literally forever uh so that's going to be really really exciting i think that's game to like circle if your team isn't playing at the same time that might just be kind of a crazy environment yeah. That'd be kind of a fun one to watch on tv even like colorado
2: state on the road to open like you don't want to start on the road right to open but
0: no, not ideal. I don't know. I, I don't think Colorado State's expected to be very good this year. Yeah. Um, so that one should be a win. And I would anticipate Northern Colorado being a win. Wisconsin at home, you just don't know. They were able to beat them last year, um, and you could see it again. Um, but Wisconsin's generally operating with more talent and they've got a new coach who's uh pretty good. That yeah. old Luke Fickle fella. So <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. Um, but no doubt challenging game. Um and then in conference play, I mean I mean open it with the Beavs. Opening with the Beavs at home. I mean, that's
2: like the two leftovers like playing each other right away. You're gonna go the first
0: conference game in the new research stadium like <laughs> I was gonna That's f- an L. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh well no, but this isn't this isn't Pullman.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, it's in Pullman. My bad. Yeah, it's in okay, Pullman. Okay, it is Pullman. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah.
0: But uh I would say the main thing It might not be then. The my b- main, my bad. the main, main takeaway, besides the fact that Ryan has ants, uh, the main takeaway, is an answer, yeah, I've had to, I've had to murder two of uh, my living brethren, the ants. Oh, uh, it's okay. Um, they had it coming. Uh, uh they avoid USC, yeah. and they avoid Utah. That's pretty good. Yes, all things considered, that's pretty good. So I think Washington State, even if the offense is maybe not in very good shape, um, still. And who knows, might be. Uh, even if it's not in great shape, probably a bull team. You know, yeah. I, think, I think it'll be comfortably a bull team.
2: Was it was it seven and five last year? Is that yeah? Was that right?
0: Yeah, I um, think I think somewhere in that range again seems reasonable. Okay. Uh,
2: all right. Well, let's go to our next one. We're gonna do California Golden Bears. <laughs> uh, they weren't very good last year, David, if you remember. But uh, here's our preview right now.
5: Jackson Moore for bearterritory.net here covering Cal training camp where uh, emotions are pretty high with the conference realignment issues, uh, much more so here than at Stanford uh, on the other side of the bay, which is not a great distraction for a Cal team that's going through a lot of changes. They've got 50 newcomers, pretty solid group of uh, 20 transfers, but a lot of them are replacing players that got picked off themselves from the portal. Um, The biggest changes right now, of course, Bill Musgrave, the pro-style offense that he ran as the offensive coordinator being replaced by Jake Spavadal, known for his offensive high-powered attack, the spread, uh, air raid. Um, I mean, just exactly what Cal would like to see after just the stagnant offenses they've had and the old-school offenses they've had the last couple of years that just were pretty dreadful. Uh, The biggest question marks of having some success with that, of course, is going to be at quarterback. They lost uh, plumber to Purdue, or to Louisville, excuse me, and um, they've got three quarterbacks battling for the job. Sam Jackson from TCU, Ben Finley from NC State, and Fernando Mendoza, the redshirt freshman. It's been neck and neck all camp long. Uh, the O-line was probably the biggest issue of all last year, and their best O-lineman, uh, Ben Coleman, was picked off from the portal. Uh, they did add Barrett Miller from Stanford. They added Matthew Wyckoff from Texas A&M. And they do get back Matthew Sendrick, who missed most of the last season. It's kind of their captain there. So chance for them to at least be improved under uh, O-line coach Mike Blesh. And then uh, the defense is just kind of a general question mark. They just haven't been uh, the great defenses that Tim DeRuiter instilled early in the Wilcox era. It's just been kind of average as of late and uh, not what Justin Wilcox needs. So we'll see if they can get over the hump this year. Uh, what needs to happen for this team to have a successful run? They need Sam Jackson, the quarterback from TCU, to reach his potential right away. Uh, he does things at practice that are in mean, the most athletic plays I've seen or I've ever covered at the quarterback position, but he's got a lot of turnovers, a lot of just really head-scratching throws and kind of negates the good things he does. It feels like he's reined it in a little bit and camp here late. So um, if he's as good as he can be, it could be a big difference for Cal. And they also need some defensive star power. That's been another part uh, that hasn't quite clicked for this defense. They got Jackson Sermon, but can some of these newcomers fill some voids? Noel, Noel Williams from UNLV has been terrific at cornerback. Uh, Patrick McMorris was a star at San Diego State. And Brett Johnson is back again after back-to-back season-ending injuries in the last two seasons. So we'll see if they can get him over the hump. I think fans can expect this Cal team to have a much more exciting offense, but... Uh, probably shoot themselves in the foot some with some quick three and outs and turnovers and just not sure the rest of the team is going to be good enough to make up for that margin of error. So and we'll see if they can get over the hump or not.
0: Jackson, nice nice work. Great stuff. I'm revising. So I, I had Cal at one and eight. I'm revising that downward. What? Uh, <laughs> uh, who did you have them beating? Uh, who did I have them beating? I had them beating Washington State randomly. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, wow. None of that sounded very good. Like to my my trained ear, uh, none of that sounds sounds very good. Uh, lost their best offensive lineman. Offensive line sounds like ass. Uh, they've got a three-man quarterback competition where the best guy is Sam Jackson, who's sometimes exciting, but also throws a lot of interceptions and makes big mistakes. But exciting. Exciting. We like excitement. Um, the implicit critique of, is Peter Sermon still there? Uh, yeah, right, isn't he? I don't know. Did he get fired? No, I think he, he's still. Yeah, I think he's still there. Uh, the implicit critique there where Jackson didn't even mention him by name but mentioned Tim DeRuiter and was like, they don't really have the hallmark of those Tim DeRuiter defenses from the first few years of the Wilcox era. used to say DeRuiter. Whatever. I don't say that. But, but he said DeRuiter. Yeah, it's DeRuiter. Yeah. Well, he covered him at Fresno State. Oh, so. and he said DeRuiter? No, you said. you. I used to I say, used De Reuter. To say De Reuter. Yes. Yeah, because there's a Y in there. <laughs> <laughs> it should be de reuter yeah but it's fine it should actually be like de reuter. what kind of name is that anyway french
2: uh dutch do you know?
0: i don't know he went to uh saint john bosco but I it don't seems know. dutch actually yeah i think he's yeah he's still Sounded off in the mentions is that dutch um peter any... sermon is the defensive coordinator inside linebacker anyway coach. peter sermon terrible uh also nepotistic nepotistic Nepotismistic? <laughs> sound off in the mentions about what that is too um <laughs> okay. but uh yeah so i would expect their defense to continue to be bad um they did get uh that noel williams guy that they were talking that he was talking about he was a corner that a lot of teams were targeting yeah that's good and yeah. cal pulled him so that's that is a good get um and that should improve their defensive backfield but i'm i'm anticipating this being a rough one for cal and probably I mean, the thing is, their financial situation is now so weird that what I was expecting to be a Justin Wilcox death march uh, to an absolutely sure firing at the end of the season might not be like they might not be able to afford that. Um, That's one thing, uh, by the way, overarching consideration that you need to remember for Stanford, Cal, Oregon State and Washington State. Not that Oregon State, Stanford or Washington State were getting anywhere close to firing their coaches. Those those three are probably on the coldest seats in the conference. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot harder, harder to fire these guys who are getting paid these salaries that were set when the media deals were a certain way. Yeah. Um, and these four schools are going to be in a very unique spot as these contracts play out over the course of the next few years. And
2: they uh, Cal misses Colorado and Arizona. Not so great. Not like not, you know, not ideal. Uh, no. If you're talking like... The Arizona
0: radic- one probably
2: doesn't matter, uh, but the... You play USC, UCLA, and Utah in the South. Not so it's great. Like, yeah, that's not really what you want. I have, a, I have a little theory I just kind of spitballed while uh, Jackson was talking. I'm going to think about. So four teams... Please, do so out loud. ...are remaining in the Pac-12, Pac-4, whatever you want to say. The Pac-4 website's amazing, by the way. That that's was awesome. so funny. Uh, I would say, do you remember back in 2020... When Stanford so different conferences went through pandemic like different levels of pandemic. Like SEC's like, let's play football. They played their conference schedule. It was fine. The Pac twelve wasn't going to do it. The Big Ten wasn't going to do it. Then they had to they eventually did it. Um Stanford though couldn't practice. Do you remember there was something where like they, they couldn't
0: practice on campus and so they had to go to San Jose?
2: <laughs> no, I think they went to didn't they go to like um somewhere up north? Like uh what are the what are these uh Pot places. I forget what it was, Humble? but I, thought, I don't know. Humboldt. I think it was like Humboldt or something yeah. like that. Or maybe San Jose State went up there, but it was some kind of distracting thing like that. But there was a, remember there was a deal like you could have a ball centered quarterback exchange, but then there would only, it could only touch one other person. So you couldn't throw it or
0: it, hand like, it off at yes, like We had a good time with that. On there the was stuff. some
2: real stupid shit that was going <laughs> on with that. But anyway, we thought it'd be this huge distraction. And Stanford goes like four and two in the pandemic year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they actually played pretty well. Uh so some teams might take this distraction and say, oh, you know, we're the only teams left in this and actually play a little better. So maybe revise your 0 and 9 Cal prediction. Maybe they're going to take this distraction to heart and come out and play well. Maybe.
0: No. No. Gonna I think they're going to go 1 and 8 in conference. <laughs> okay, so you're you're back to 1 and 8. Yeah, I won't go 0 and 9, but they're 1 and 8 for
2: sure. Damn. Yeah. Uh all right, yeah, the schedule's not great. Uh, Auburn at home, like they're middle of the road SEC team, right? But you know Idaho's terrible. Who's the what? Who's the other one that they got? It's like a green. I I just have the graphic one up.
0: Oh, you don't have the schedule. I I I have the graphic. North Texas, Auburn, North Texas, and yeah. Idaho. I couldn't tell. I don't
2: remember what the North Texas. Uh, they only show the logo.
0: Ah, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, All right, so go to a new school, and while you're doing that, uh, hit the AC. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right, we'll do that. Um, Okay, next up, why don't we do – hold on. Let's go with Washington
6: Huskies. (laughs) All
2: right, do a preview for Washington.
6: This is Chris Stutters of dogman.com, the Washington Huskies site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm here to give the podcast champions a quick fall update from up here at Montlake. And uh, we're through day 11 now of fall camp. Um, You know, probably the biggest storyline, honestly, was about 10 days ago, Michael Penix just stopped throwing the ball around. And so we asked Kalen DeBoer, we asked Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, what the story was. And they said, well, they're just shutting him down for a little bit. It sounds like a little bit of a dead arm, you know, load management kind of thing. And so then we found out just this last Saturday during their first big scrimmage of fall, one of the, one of two big scrimmages that they're going to have, that he was full go again. Back throwing the ball, no problem. We just saw him uh, today, this week, throwing the ball, no problems. So it looks like whatever rest he needed was was well worth it. And they got a lot of reps for backup Dylan Morris as well as true freshman Austin Mack. So that was good to get those guys in the mix a little bit. Um, offensively, still looked fantastic as ever. Uh, led by uh, Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan at wide receiver. Their running back situation is is led by Cameron Davis, the guy who was the number two last year behind Wayne Talapapa. And then uh, Dylan Johnson from uh, Mississippi State, he's starting to make a little bit of a move as well this week. And uh, Will Nixon, the former Nebraska running back receiver, who transferred into Washington last year is making a move as well. So uh, some good stuff there on defense, really led by uh, Braylon Trice, the all-everything edge player for them uh, on one side, and then Zion tupo fatui on the other side, with uh, Tule, Latui Gassanoa inside, he's making his presence felt, as he always does, a multi-year starter there for the Huskies. And then the other guy who's coming on really, really big is Ulamulu Ale, MJ Ale, at 6'6", 320. Definitely looks the part of a Vita Vea type guy, if he can ever get to that level. But he's super, super athletic for his size, very experienced, moved over to the defense from the offensive line last year, Really got his feet wet in 2022 playing on defense. And now this is his final season in my league and, uh, he's planned, he's, he's, he looks like he can make a splash. So that's looking good. Linebacker's looking really solid with Edifuano LaFoscio, Alfonso Tupatala, Raylan Goforth, the transfer from USC is right in there, as well as Carson Bruner. And then their secondary is the big question mark, but they got Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State at one corner. It looks like he's locked it down. And then they've got a bunch of corners and, and uh, looking for that extra spot on the other side. And then they've got Asa Turner and Dominique Campton, their two senior safeties that are kind of locking down those two positions in the back. So, all in all, a very experienced defense that's coming back. I think they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to show more. A
2: little cutoff there again. Um, but yeah, I think you I think got through most of it. Thanks, Chris, for uh, sending that in. Um, they got the special offense. David, great receivers, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: Michael Penix. Penix. Okay. Uh, I've just given up. Amazing. You just won't pronounce it correctly, and it's fine. I think it's disrespectful, <laughs> but it's fine.
2: It's just how good can the defense be? Kind of similar to what we talked about USC last last week. But, um, you know, Caitlin DeBoer is obviously a great offensive mind, uh, put a lot of great things together. We'll see. It's not like a super tough Schedule. You have a couple of names: Boise State and uh, Michigan State on there. Uh, Michigan State being on the road, but this is a team that you know is a top AP number ten, and uh, you know get some early wins out of conference. You know you go, you you get you go three and zero and out of conference. They got Cal and Arizona, and into the bye week. If they're like five and zero into the bye week, like there's gonna be a lot of buzz around this team. So I'm, I, I kind of think the defense is gonna be better. And uh, the offense is still going to be special. So this is a team. I I mean, I picked them to go to the Pac-12 championship game. So I don't know what you think. But uh, everything I heard from Chris, this sounds pretty positive.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say for Washington, uh, their defense improved over the course of last season, um, which I think is a good sign. Uh, It was halfway decent by the end of the year. Uh, It was just very assy at the beginning while they were trying to figure everything out. So, you know, they've got to replace some bodies. Everyone does. But I would think, you know. Took a year, kind of installed the scheme, got everything in place, and now uh, ready to be better makes sense to me. Uh, offensively, I didn't love hearing uh, that Penix was down; uh, <laughs> that, that, that Penix wasn't out there um, yeah. getting working. Are you saying he's soft? Well, I'm not saying he's soft. <laughs> uh, just saying, like Sorry, whenever, whenever a, a whenever a Phoenix is injured, you know it makes you. I mean, it just makes me uncomfortable right that doesn't True. make me feel good about what i'm going to be doing um and watching this season so uh i guess my point is yeah uh it's good to hear that he's back uh and then you could take a little break it's fine <laughs> and then uh offensive line i know they're replacing three interior starters uh chris touched on a little bit but that's always a concern uh is when you're got a lot of offensive line turnover um, and they do an offensive line was a big part of why they were so much better offensively last year than they were in the previous years, along with Calen DeBoer just being, you know, very good. Yes. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that, that actually plays out on the field. Um, but no, I think this team should be really good. Um, and yeah, there's real potential for them to start hot. Um, and, uh, but it could be some crashing and burning too. Like you
2: lose the Boise state, you lose to, like, a pretty bad Michigan State team or not great Michigan State team, like, that's going to
0: derail a lot of stuff, but... Yeah, don't lose to Michigan State, because Don't do that. No, Your no. future Big Ten opponent. Everything I've heard about the Mel Tucker era up there is not, and everything I've seen, is not great. No.
2: NorCal Matt says, um, great conference to not know who your second corner is, so... Yeah, okay. There's some... Concern. I mean, there's going to be some shootouts for Washington, but I think the defense will be better. Um, But yeah I don't know. uh like Chris always knows what's going on there. A lot of uh when you got a lot of linebackers, you can't pronounce their names because they like very Polynesian and very syllable syllabally uh, You're like, all right, there's some dudes. The one concern I would have is that he did mention Rayland Goforth, who you know
1: <laughs>
2: wasn't very good at USC <laughs> but that, you know that's what's kind of funny when you have
0: transfers in uh, oh, the here, conference so mine mine is whenever i hear uh jason talk about tyler manoa because i'm like wow that guy was like um what i thought of when i thought replacement level player yeah. like just you stick him in there and he performs at like a zero not a negative not a positive just a zero yeah. just zeroed out at all times no matter where he's playing and then they're talking about him like he's a top 20 player for them and it's like ah, wow okay yeah, maybe he developed a lot i don't know
2: uh, I would, I think Goforth is probably in that category. I like him. I mean, I like the kid. I just he just wasn't, you know, all that effective. The USC's linebacker play was bad. Maybe it wasn't a lot of his fault, whatever. Um, and w- when you hear though, like someone transfers in, like I think it's a you know you can look at the USC bringing in like those three Arizona dudes, and all three of them might end up starting. I mean, you'd be like, that's pretty good, but it also could be that's pretty bad if you got like three Arizona guys starting for you, but. Uh, I mean, Dorian Singer was number two in the conference right. in receiving. So it's like, okay, like that's fine.
0: Somebody from the Arizona offense starting from you is fine.
2: Two defensive players. I don't know about that one. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Christian Roland Wallace, you look at the dude up close, and he looks like a linebacker. His arms are like my thighs. So you're like, you're a cornerback? Like, I, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't want to mess with this dude. And then Keon Bart seems like a great kid. He's more the defensive ca- tackle. Maybe he was just kind of an okay player. But USC's had bad defensive line play. So it's tough to get linemen out of the portal that are effective so you, you just never know but yeah you can take it with like a well is that bad that you know usc could rely on like three arizona starters uh whatever but yeah that's but you yeah, know when when you hear a name of like oh, i cover that guy i'm like mm, i don't think he's, he's not like a difference yeah. maker you know like but sometimes you just need to fill a hole like you need a body and
0: yeah and Raylen you know. goforth being you know a, a backup you know linebacker okay that's yeah. fine you can roll with that but if he's if he's starting for you that's probably not great no probably not great for your contending chances nope
2: uh okay well let's go to we'll stick up and uh with the uh big 10 teams up there Oregon Ducks. so uh, our buddy matt preem um not only got cut off but called back i respect that he also doesn't quite understand how the voicemails work he's like like we're gonna edit these or something because he gives us a little countdown in there but that's okay just we'll we'll just you know we'll give him a break on this one and uh, we'll play. I'll play them both for you back to back. Here you go.
4: This is Matt Preem for Duck Territory. Three, two, one. Going into the final season of the Pac-12, as we know it, the Oregon Ducks carry a loaded roster, headlined by Bo Nix, who has a Heisman campaign with a recent poster put in New York City. The offense should be loaded with star running backs. Bucky Irving, and Noah Winnington back for another season. Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson, headline Oregon's receiver group that have also added multiple transfers from Power 5 and Group of 5 schools, headlines by Ted Johnson from Troy, who should instantly impact Oregon's ability to go over the top. The offensive line, though, is a big question for the Oregon Ducks. Four starters are gone from last year's unit, which was spectacular. Stephen Jones, a six-year senior, has started across the offensive line at multiple spots, returns to headline the group as the team's ultimate veteran. But the Ducks went to the transfer portal, added multiple players who started at previous schools like Texas, East Carolina, to its mix to make things interesting from a competition standpoint, as they've also recruited the position really heavily the last few years. Jackson Powers Johnson is assumed starter at center and should be the headliner of the offensive line group. Josh Connolly Jr. enters his sophomore season, a five-star offensive lineman from a few years ago out of the Seattle area, is ready to step up and should be the team's starting left tackle, but that's an uncertainty still for right now. But defensively, the Oregon Ducks are loaded once again. In the secondary, Evan Williams comes in from Fresno State, replaces his brother Bennett Williams at the safety position. Tysheen Johnson comes from Old Miss where he was an all-conference player. Dante Manning, Triquette's bridges are two corners the Ducks have used as starters the last couple of seasons. They are back. But Christian Gonzalez, off the NFL first-round draft pick, is the big piece to replace in the secondary for Oregon. Up front, the Ducks bring a lot of talent back. Popo Amave is healthy after missing last season. Jordan Birch, a former five-star transfer from South Carolina, has joined the mix. Noah Sewell is gone at linebacker. Jeffrey Bossa steps into the leadership role. Justin Jacobs, a starter at Iowa, has now landed at Oregon. The Ducks have loaded the position with a bunch of transfers. They've added a high-level recruit here and there along the front seven. But questions remain whether they can generate a pass rush, which was the worst it's been in a long time for the Oregon Ducks. They had the lowest sack total since 1986 last season. That number needs to drastically improve if the Ducks defense takes a big step next season. Through it all, though, The expectation should be that Oregon competes for and potentially wins the Pac-12 championship. The schedule sets up nicely. They get USC at home. They do have to go.
2: All right. So we have a little cutoff there, but he has part two. So we're going to continue this with Matt Preem.
4: This is Matt Preem again. The schedule does set up for the Ducks to make a run. They have USC at home. They have Oregon state at home. They do have to go to play at Washington. They do have to play at Utah, but Things are set up for them to be at least in the Paxwell championship game, and that should be the expectation for the Oregon Tech football program. Now, that's the same expectation for USC, for Utah, for Washington, and you even could say the same for Oregon State. So that's what's going to make this league challenging, is that there's three or four or five teams who honestly have a legit chance to say, we should be in Vegas one win away from winning the conference championship, which could make a lot of programs and their fan bases, Oregon included, a little disappointed if they don't get to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. Through it all, though, 10-win season, compete for the Pac-12 championship. You do those things, you put yourself in the discussion in November for the college football playoff, and that's all you can ask for if you're the Oregon Ducks.
0: All right. Good stuff from Matt. Great stuff. Um, I want to address one thing. Yes. Um, so the Bo Nicks Heisman campaign. Before we get into like the media oh, they did a uh, so, so remember Joe Harrington like 20 years ago
2: they did the like Billboard. So
0: I didn't remember that, and I don't care. My point is, it's really cool. Like they bought Billboard, not even a billboard. They bought the side of a building in yeah, New York, the side of a building, uh, and it's a big uh, bodacious. It's really ostentatious and you know ridiculous, but it's awesome. Like they've got this uh, cool thing. And, you know, the general consensus throughout, uh, you know, everyone talking about it on Twitter was like, oh, that's awesome. Except if you're like an organ hater and, you know, respect. Uh, You know, we all love haters. We might have a few. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, uh, if you're not an organ hater, yeah, it's really cool. And then I got like Stuart Mandel again, like just coming in with like, I don't know what it is this year, but just like the worst possible take where he's like, oh, they should have just done a hype video. I'm like. How many friggin' hype videos do you see on a daily basis that you just ignore? Like, just constantly ignore. I'm gonna sit here and watch a two minute video, or I'm gonna remark on a picture of a billboard and be like, "Wow, that's really cool." Yeah. Right? Yeah. What I are we doing I here? I
2: don't, I don't get that one. Like, it, it's it's sort of like been on brand for Oregon to do this, you know? Like they've done
0: this before, and um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Uh, I like what they're doing. So, anyway, uh, will Bo Nix win the Heisman? Almost certainly not. No. Um, but, uh, and a big part of it isn't really Bo Nix. It's that offensive line. Replacing a ton of guys, and they've got a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, what
2: do you think with Kenny Dillingham? Like, that's, it seemed like uh, that was I thought was he was a, good, a big
0: part of it, but I will say this big? about yeah. my man, Landanning, is he hired Denny Killingham. Yes. Guy who hires Denny Killingham might have a feel for this. Um, so, I'm interested to see what that ends up looking like. Um, but I do think there's some major questions to be answered there, and then... The pass rush uh, defensively, Matt touched on it a bunch, but that's a big question for me too. Uh, If those things get answered effectively, then Oregon could contend. But I do have them more on the fringe this year. I think they've got a ton of talent, but I just I think the question marks at some of these key spots are going to be uh, maybe lead to some uh, uh, tougher uh, moments in the early going, especially. I kind of like just
2: in general, and this is just my early assessment. I kind of feel like. Washington's going to get the better of Oregon. I know a lot of people have picked Oregon to win the conference. or I, I just feel like it, it's not going to be quite as good. They'll be good, but maybe not like that. But I think Washington can be. So who knows? Could be completely wrong. But uh, I, who do you have? Like Oregon-Washington, who do you have this year?
0: Uh, in the game itself or just coming just out of the – coming out. I mean, I guess whoever wins that game is probably yeah, going to be got, ahead. I've there. got Washington at 7-2 and two, and I've got Oregon at 6-3. and three. Okay. So I believe I have Washington beating Oregon. Okay. Yeah. I
2: mean I I think I might have Washington a little better than that, but I, I think it's about the same, like maybe a game ahead of Oregon.
0: You yeah. Know? So I I it's think just that's really right. early assessment. Yeah. But. And they um you know, they do have to play uh USC this year instead of UCLA, which isn't, you know, ideal.
2: What so they, they miss uh UCLA and then Colorado. So that's not I mean, missing UCLA is okay. Missing Colorado is not. Like, you'd rather play Colorado if you could.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so I think on net, it's probably slightly beneficial. Yeah, because you have – got to play Utah. Because the like, marginal difference between USC and UCLA is not as extreme as the one between Utah and Colorado.
2: Week uh, Starting week 10, uh, they go on the road at USC, play Utah at home, and then go on the road and play Oregon State. So that's like – you could, your nose could be pretty bloodied after that three-week stretch.
0: Um, yeah, that could be a tough
2: one. It's tough. Uh, they do get Oregon coming off a bye, uh, but the Ducks have a bye the same week, so they both teams get a bye. Um, but you know, can start off pretty. You know, like we said, start off strong, five and zero. Go to bye week, and you beat Oregon at home uh, in week seven. You know, it's like, yeah, maybe. You, what if you lose two out of three the SC? utah and oregon state but you'll probably beat arizona state you'll probably beat stanford probably beat washington state in the apple cup the last one um you know that would be 10 and 2 that'd be pretty darn good i think you're probably playing for the conference championship at that point
0: yeah agreed uh
2: okay i think we have one uh last one and this one is oh no no i'm sorry we have two let's do this one stanford cardinal (laughs) we'll save uh utes for last um because they, they gave the voicemail in last. But, okay, uh, here's our preview.
5: Jackson Moore for Cardinal247.com here, covering Stanford training camp, where um, you know, after a, a dreadful another year to the tail end of the David Shire era, Stanford has made the change from you know, making no changes at all to making sweeping changes, getting rid of everyone, finally, um, after not making any direct changes the last two seasons. Uh, Troy Taylor comes in from Sac State, where he was known for his offensive prowess. He brings in, Defensive coordinator Bobby April over from Wisconsin, where he was pretty successful there, too. Uh, the staff had the busiest summer recruiting across the entire nation, so uh, there's some promise that these guys can get Stanford back on track. But when you're talking about biggest question marks, uh, I mean, this whole roster is just a massive question mark. Uh, last year's dreadful 3-1 team sent five starters to the NFL draft. Uh, they had 11 starters picked off by Power 5 schools in the transfer portal. And uh, that only leaves uh, six starters coming back. And this is not a program that has much access to the transfer portal. They expanded it some, and they hauled in an unprecedented six transfers from their efforts to, to get more access to that. And of that group, the prize is and Bernadette, an inside linebacker from FIU, and uh, three Ivy Leaguers are, are coming with him. Uh, looking closer into the question marks, I mean, O-line, they lost six players to Power Five schools in the transfer portal. They only returned one starter. Those six losses are replaced by two Ivy Leaguers and four freshmen. Not a great recipe. In the defensive backfield, they had two defensive backs get drafted, uh, two go to Power 5 schools, one to SMU, So, uh, and no transfers coming in. And that's basically going to be a group of guys that, that weren't good enough to be in the lineup last year, and they're going to be facing just a, a gauntlet of Pac-12 quarterbacks and receivers this year. So that's troublesome. Um, to say the least. Uh, what needs to happen for this team to have any sort of success? That They really need the quarterback position to pan out. Um, they brought in Justin Lampson a transfer from Syracuse, and uh, looks to me pretty obviously that he's going to be the starter. Uh, Ashton Daniels is still competing. Ari Pachu's there, but I think it's going to be Lance- Lamson. Uh They have a few weapons to work with. EJ Smith and Casey Silkins at running back have been kind of highly touted as the next guys of the Shaw era, but they were never able to stay healthy. So we'll see if this is the year uh, John Humphreys is back as, at receiver, Ben Yurasek's at tight end, underclass and Mudia Rubin and Tiger Bachmeyer are going to have big roles. So they have some things to work with on offense. And April just needs to get the front seven to be as effective as they can. They've got a lot of talent at outside linebacker, and we'll see if they can shore up ILB and, and the D-line. Uh, What fans should expect, I think this team's going to play with more heart. They're going to be coached a lot better, but wins are not going to be easy to come by. Um, Even going to Hawaii and hosting Sac State are pretty dreadful uh, opportunities for their quote-unquote easy win. Yeah
2: cut off there but thanks jackson for some good stuff it's just very sombering when he's talking about
0: this these man teams. what a job he has yeah. covering cal and stanford <laughs> right now uh in this situation yeah no very sobering looking at all this stuff uh yeah stanford's in a major major rebuild i'm this is one that i might truly revise downward because i have them going two and seven and listening to that and like kind of their quarterback situation and just everything with how they weren't able to replace anybody in the transfer portal. And there's probably going they to got be six guys, six guys. Uh, like there's going to be walk-ons playing. At Ivy some point. League guys. Yeah. That, I mean, there's going to be walk-ons playing. Like, Losing six offensive linemen. Like, yeah, uh, it's not that's it's not. not good. It's it's not good. And then dudes go to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And they were they won three games. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think it's if you are a Stanford fan, um, talking to you, you're we, the need, one. To from, uh, the, we need to hear from uh Matthew. We need to hear from Matthew is great, but we need to we're, hear from the Zodiac Killer. We do need to hear from the Zodiac Killer. How is the Zodiac Killer? I, I this don't is know. It's a call out to the Zodiac Killer. We need you. What's the bat signal for the Zodiac <laughs> Killer? <laughs> I think it's, where are I think you, it's where are newspaper your
2: clippings on the conference realignment. Where are your thoughts on Stanford On one hand, looking like they're going to be complete ass in 2023, but recruiting very well. At least they were until now there's no conference left and maybe that goes away. I don't know. Um, There were some positives with Troy Taylor. Yep. Does that get taken away? We need to hear from the Zodiac Killer.
0: We need the Zodiac Killer. We need him now. Um, So anyway uh stanford's gonna be really bad it's just a question of what flavor of bad are they gonna be hopeless bad is it gonna be one of those years where you're like holy crap this is one of the worst football teams i've ever seen or is it gonna be hopeful bad you know three and nine they pull off a couple of stunners uh and by stunners i mean like beating arizona or something uh and you know give give fans a little bit of reason for optimism um schedule is you know the schedule again uh going at Hawaii that comes with some interesting implications now i mean if you know anything about the hawaii football program that is a that is a program for the entire state uh maui included uh there's going to be a lot of high emotions for that game i think they're going to want to beat yeah. the p out of stanford um then there's you know usc in game 2 oh that that's all at USC in game two. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Stanford pull off some weird ones against USC over the years. This would be the weirdest one. They moved the ball pretty well last year, like for a quarter or no, something. No, they, they had a minute there where it looked a little dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then Sac State at home should be a win. All but right, where did Troy Taylor come from? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. former team? Yeah. No, but Sac State should be a win, but that's not an illegitimate FCS program that they're playing at home. Like, that's, that's one that could knock you off. So... I don't know, kind of reassessing. Do they have another? They probably have a cupcake for the
2: other out-of-conference game, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, the famous cupcake, Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it doesn't set up well for Stanford to win. I, I think three games would be a big stretch.
2: Yeah. Ernesto says, I love his uh, Ghostbusters uh, image there. He says, uh, can Stanford pull off a victory against Oregon or Washington?
0: Did 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 a plane crash or
2: something? Because no. (laughs) Yeah, no. That doesn't look good. Yeah. Um, You feel bad. Because, like, I didn't feel bad when David Shaw was losing, when they wouldn't fire anybody and just keep doing the same thing over and over and it wouldn't work. But I think, you know, I like what Troy Taylor's done so far. But.
0: Yeah, it's it's always worse when you can see somebody trying and they're still failing. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean. You could see them failing year one, but then like turning things around more in year two, get the
0: roster better and all that. Going to be hard to do. But but now, yeah. As a no money ACC team.
2: Right. If you were still in the Pac 12, like I think year two, year three for Stanford would have probably been a lot better. Um, So I don't know. It's, uh, yeah,
0: not a great schedule. Uh, 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 West Texas Mike has a request, which is uh, do you think there's potential for uh Jim Harbaugh, Troy Taylor, what's your deal to uh oh, Lincoln says, Riley let me say in that. the Coliseum. Uh just with a terrible you. team. Like I, I this guy, this guy they've got, does he sound a little bit defeated Pritchard to you, this quarterback? Justin got, Lamson? Yep. He's
2: Pritchard I wouldn't say I would get into it if Pritchard wasn't on staff for the last <laughs> decade or whatever. And just awful at his job. Well he wasted all of his magic on that game. One game. That yeah. one game. Yeah. Uh okay we got one more Utah Utes so how the sausage is made David solicited the uh, previews this week obviously didn't do a very good job so I had to finish it up but I got I got the last one uh he didn't even know who to talk to at Washington State I had to like you know he doesn't even know who's doing these things so I have to even when he's doing stuff I still have to step in and fix it all so whatever what an assessment but but (laughs) here's our Utah preview
1: what up, Ryan and David? Uh, I hope uh, you guys are doing well. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I was asked to give a little preview on the University of Utah football team. And here's what I've got.
2: Um- Real quick. I feel like he's filibustering. Like he's like. You cover the team. Just start talking. <laughs> like he's like trying also, to fill sp-
0: no no. What I feel is that he's doing a Zodiac Killer impression. Oh. Like that's what I was getting from. It's that. like he's trying to fill space. Yeah. All
2: right. He did follow up. We have a follow up like a DM from him, but we'll play it. But this is a shorter one. Like there's only like a minute and eighteen seconds left of this, so it's a short one.
1: Um look, you know, we we all know what this is gonna boil down to and it's the availability of Cameron rising. Uh so if David sources who tend to know things, if they could chime in on the situation, it'd be much appreciated. Uh, But, but in all seriousness, you know, Utah's gearing up for, you know, another run at a Pac-12 championship, which would be their third straight. It's a big motivating factor for them. You know, they want an opportunity to make history in, in what is now going to be a dead conference. So really what's the value in making history in something that's dead? But you know, that's what we do. Uh, so, you know, Utah's got a strong defense, strong run game, uh, looking to, uh, hoping for improvements, you know, at the wide receiver position with some of the additions they've made in Micah Pittman and Emery Simmons, tight end room, still strong, offensive line unit, still strong. Uh, but that defense is going to be counted on pretty heavily, especially in the early part of the season. So, a lot of good stuff from you guys appreciate you uh, appreciate the podcast as always uh, looking forward to uh to more content this season this final season of the uh the podcast of uh whatever with the dead conference so yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was doing his like his tight two minute you know uh like if he's you know doing his little comedy routine there yeah that, that was beautiful um he also had a he said a couple notes he said sorry I'm a headache A little more context you guys can chew on since I didn't go super in-depth. If not rising, it appears uh, Bryson Barnes will be QB2, kind of your throwback to early Pac-Utah quarterbacks like John Hayes. Yeah. Jaquindon Jackson has established himself as a top dog at running back, built on his strong finish. He's now a running back running like a running back, not a running back running like a quarterback. And the offensive line might be the strongest unit of the team. It's very different than what we heard from Stanford. He says the defense will be very good, could be the best safety duo Utah has had, and lots of depth at defensive end. Uh, they want to get after the quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a Utah team. It sounds a little bit more like uh if cameraizing isn't available, it sounds like a little bit more like one of those Utah teams. I wouldn't go as far back as like John Hayes, but maybe like a Travis Wilson, like one of the good oh, Travis Wilson good, teams. Yeah. Um well, he wasn't good. I mean, he was, he was he, pretty good, he, he was serviceable. Uh, huh. but they weren't they weren't uh, offensive powerhouse Um, this might be a little bit more run and play defense at least in the early going while they get something going quarterback wise bryson barnes played a little bit last year and he wasn't bad though i, I will say that about uh, the pig farmer um at least maybe when the bowl game he was bad but before that when he played he wasn't bad um so anyway about utah um obviously hugely dependent on cam rising if, yeah. if he comes back but if you're a utah fan and you're in the position where oh gosh we have to rely upon a kyle whittingham defense here in the early going to be you know ready to go once cam rising gets back whatever will we do that's not such a bad situation to be in no if you've got to be a utah team anchoring around your defense despite kyle whittingham now being a professed uh offensive aficionado based on his comments at media day where he touted the uber importance of uh, of offense over defense. Uh, you're you're gonna be fine. Yeah.
2: Uh, schedule wise, let's take a look. Uh, what the Utes got? The uh, pesky Florida Gators are coming to town. So that's uh, the Thursday before
0: opening weekend. Essentially, they're going to beat that ass so hard. You so, think so I firmly called Utah losing in uh, in Gainesville last year. You did this year. Utah is going to beat the ever-loving shit out of Florida. Wow. All right. Like, going to hold them to, like, seven points. It's going to be stupid. this Cam cameraizing play, though. We don't know if he's going to. It doesn't play. matter. Okay. They're going to
2: beat the hell out of him. Uh, they did make Anthony Richardson look like a stud, who's actually going to start in the NFL now. He's he's named the starter. Over Gardner Minshew.
0: Man. Pac-12. Man, that's a crime. But I guess Minshew's been, like, his uh, like mentor. Yeah. So. so they're going to beat the hell out of Florida, and then they're going to lose to Baylor the next week. You
2: think so? Yes. On the road? Absolutely. A little sail gating down there?
0: Yeah. 9 a.m. game? Probably. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's 9 a.m. Yeah. west. Okay. Um. So there's that. Um. But then, I mean, it's Weber State. Uh. The conference slate is... UCLA at home to start. You got Utes winning this one? or? Uh, If Cam Rising is back... And like has played a little bit, yes. If not, I think it could be a slugfest. Okay. Um, because UCLA generally, I mean, they've had some bad, bad games at Utah, but um, they generally, I think that's one where like Chip Kelly brings his up game. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do some things in this one, um, because he knows he's going against somebody who's really good too. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, but that'll be a tough one, and then Utah on the road at Oregon State will be a tough one. But Dude, then they you get... remember?
2: Two, was it two years ago? Like when Utah was rolling, they won their first Pac-12 championship game. Like the game that they screwed up at the end, yeah. or in the last part of the season. at yeah. Oregon State, and it's on a Friday.
0: Yeah, it's, that's that the. You want to go to Corvallis Friday night? Like N- not great. No, not great. New stadium. Yeah, no. that's. I, I, I still feel it's not true anymore, but I still feel like every Pac-12 team is like o for winning on the road on a Friday. Like, yes. It just doesn't seem like it happens. It's hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, schedule wise, it's it's a, I mean, it's a, it's it's not easy. Um, they've got two real non-conference games, and then they've got a tough slate in conference. I mean, they've got to play both Oregon's. They have to play Washington instead of Washington State. I mean, that's that's right
2: the Oregon back to back.
0: Yeah, and if you're gonna take one at Cal or Stanford, honestly, after hearing Jackson, I might take Stanford. Like, I'd rather play Stanford. Yeah. So they have to play Cal instead. So uh, it's not an easy schedule. I think I have them kind of dropping back to Earth a little bit this year mostly because of the health of the cam rising but dropping back to Earth for Utah means six and three for me in conference in yeah conference. I
2: I haven't done it yet but I'm I'm thinking that um I think that you know they have a couple potential road losses Oregon State and USC uh getting Oregon home that'll be a fun one but on the road against Washington you know it might be the three big road games that they have three tough road games you know it gets there's like four or five other really good teams in the conference and you're playing three of them on the road like that's not easy
0: no they've got a very very tough one yeah
2: all right well we've gone way long let's take a quick break and we'll come back and uh talk some uh you know pack to football answer some questions all that so back in a minute gorgeous all right we're back here on the podcast of champions an hour and 30 minutes into the show i uh, didn't have anything scheduled sometimes you have something scheduled at the two-hour mark which is always dumb because i think we're going to make it and we don't um i do have a voicemail for you david and then we'll have to i know we got a bunch of questions so we'll try to get to those too but sure. here, here's the voicemail
6: hey what's up guys It's perk um just had a question for dave uh there's rumors out there that uh, george w bush is lobbying on behalf on SMU and Condoleezza Rice is lobbying on behalf of Stanford to get them into the ACC. So my next logical question after that is, Dave, if you had to pick um, a politician or, well, uh, I guess really, yeah, any member of Congress uh, or just really, I guess, any famous alumni to lobby on behalf of uh, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State to get into different conferences, who would you pick? Thanks, guys.
0: So this is really funny, because when I saw the tweet that had this information, I had basically the same idea. Um, And so it was a great tweet from Brett McMurphy, you know, Condoleezza Rice from Stanford and George W. Bush, SMU are, are contacting ACC officials to lobby for those schools to get an ACC invite. So I naturally quote tweeted it and said, do Cal, Washington State and Oregon State have any war criminals that they can get to lobby the ACC? Yes, and the answer is yes. They do. Cal has uh, John Yu, the guy who wrote the torture memos, uh, justifying waterboarding. So war criminal. He's a Cal guy. Yeah, it, like, I, and I, I, I was trying to make it so like, am I committing, uh, you know, some sort of libel offense here or slander? Uh, so I looked him up, and have they been credibly associated with war crimes? Yes. Okay, no problem. And James Mad Dog Mattis. Uh, who led the Marines in Fallujah, who uh, shot up a bunch of ambulances. Uh, He lived in Pullman as a young boy. Oh. So he could advocate for Washington State. What we haven't discovered yet, though, is a good war criminal politician to have uh, gone to Oregon State. Okay. Uh,
2: Maybe some of our Beaver fans
0: can could. uh, You could talk me into Barack Obama. And the only reason you could talk me into Obama is... Is because his brother in law was the basketball coach for oh, Oregon yeah. State at one time.
2: Yeah, Michelle's brother,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. And as we know, uh, he liked to bomb Yemeni's weddings. So <laughs> there's, uh, we've got some options here. Um, so I, I just think um, you, you know, know,
2: it's funny when we were talking about like the how the how terrible the Pac-12 presidents were. You're a hater of all presidents. And I know if someone's like, oh, you're going to call – They're all him-
0: war criminals. Every I, I've got the, this firm policy, which is every single president should be tried for crimes as soon as they're out of office. Everyone.
2: <laughs> right. So I think when people are like, oh, you just made fun of George W. Bush, called him a war criminal. You're like, oh, that whatever, whatever. And then you're like, you say the exact same thing about Barack Obama or whatever. Right. You would say it about Bill Clinton. So that's where you kind of like, you just hate presidents.
0: And yeah, they're all You're bad. like, Abraham Lincoln was pretty good – Ulysses S. Grant's all right. Everyone the, else the, sucks. There's yeah. like so. There's like two and a half good ones, uh, and it's whatever combination of like Lincoln, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and FDR you're interested in that day. Nice, uh, but FDR is like half good, like okay. not even full good. Um, you can't turn you know a couple million Japanese Americans and think you're hot stuff.
2: Okay, uh, we had we actually some people were writing in, and I um, I'm gonna look out. Anyone that sent in anything on our intro music, we really appreciate that. If you're watching the video, we skip the intro music because we can't; um, it'll get flagged by YouTube for copyright stuff. So um, I don't check this email address except when we do the show. So I forwarded uh, any emails that have like uh, info for that. I will forward to my own, and then I'll get to it because I know David never would. So I will do that. So thank you for anyone that sent those in. Yeah, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think our first question is from Frank in Sacramento. We're getting questions like right after our show goes to air, which is crazy. People send a lot of questions in. He says, uh, Dave, you talk good, so I'll ask you. If a pun is a play on words, why don't they call it a POW? Mm. Mm. So acronyms. Uh, Ryan, you were an engineer at some point, so I'll ask you. If it's zero degrees today and tomorrow, it's twice as cold, how cold is it tomorrow? Frank in Sacramento.
0: Okay. We're going to handle these in order. Okay. Uh, Well, if it was called a POW, it would be an acronym, not a pun. Yes. That's what I I said. But go ahead, sure. Yeah, no, no. But no, no. (laughs) He's (laughs) saying if a pun is a play on words, why don't they call it a POW?
2: Well, because it's play on words. Yeah,
0: yeah. But then it would become an acronym. Then it would be like a different thing. It's not like, uh, you know, some onomatopoeia stuff. This is, you know, Two different things going on here. Yeah, like a pun that's actually a pun. Like they should call it something like, uh, I don't know, man. That's hard. I guess I guess it works. I guess we can call it a pow. Yeah, and then it's kind of ironic because it's a it's it's you're actually playing on acronym. Yeah. Instead, no, you. With no, me? I I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, great. Because it should actually just be a pun. Like it should be a pun of its own, right? Uh, yeah, I think that would be its own, its own pot. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a lot to think about. All right, but if uh, if it's zero degrees today and tomorrow it's twice as cold, how to, how cold is it tomorrow? So twice as cold, like that's, yeah, it's a real that's a that's a twister. What is twice as cold? So well, in zero degrees, what? Right. Well, like so if say it's zero saying, degrees Celsius, that's a different thing. If it's zero degrees Fahrenheit. Um, If it's zero degrees Fahrenheit, that's like minus 18 Celsius or something. Right, or is it zero degrees Kelvin, and then we're really in (laughs) Kelvin's
2: like a whole other – oh, my God. I haven't thought about Kelvin in a long time. Um, But then even that, are you doubling? Like are you saying, okay, so instead of uh, minus 18, it's minus 36, and then what is minus 36 Celsius, and that's
0: how many degrees Fahrenheit it is? Like I don't know. Well, and here's like, the, the most important thing to, to like what's settle. What's twice on. as hot? Well, like here's can't be, the thing. You yeah. got to settle on what's your definition of proper. Like what is your – because you have to – what we're talking about here is a subjective assessment. What is cold? For some people, cold is 60 degrees. For some people, cold is 50. Yeah. Here in right? Southern California, like 60 degrees is cold. Correct. 65 degrees is cold. <laughs> um, so in that situation, uh, if that's cold – And then zero is a certain, you know, deviation from that. Then twice as cold as zero would be, what, another 65 degrees down from that? Another 60? Uh, That's a good point, yeah. So we got to know Frank's subjective assessment before we can determine any kind of model for uh, what is twice as cold. Fair enough. Okay, uh, next up we have Greg. I have a request. Hey guys, if Washington State and Oregon State end up in the Mountain West, can you guys quit your jobs, work at either Beaver Blitz or Coog Fan, start the podcast of the Mountain West, boycott watching any other major conferences and the networks they're on, and start a GoFundMe to get a better media rights deal for the Mountain West, thanks, Greg. Crowdsourcing a media rights deal would maybe be the way to go at that maybe point. Maybe we could do it. Uh I yeah. I don't think I don't think there's money in that. Yeah,
2: we're you know. We have to like we have like lives to live and
0: it's good. That would be tough. That'd I think tough in one. an
2: ideal world, if I was just loaded, I could do that.
0: Yeah, in an ideal world, no. I don't think I would be doing that. I think For it would have to be a very specific world, um, but certainly not ideal. Would I yeah. quit my job and just cover Washington State, Oregon State, and Mountain West football? All right. Uh, we have
2: Dave Young. UFC measurement scandal strikes again. So he said the. Now he sent a picture. This is an arch that's above. Uh, like the tunnel where USC players come out of their locker room. And it's, I think it's Latin. Uh, is that Latin, David? I mean, it looks Latin. Yeah. The famous, and then he says what it is. I don't know how you would read that. Uh, outside of the John McKay Center, once again, coming to bite, you dollar sign C and there, T-H-E-R-E, ass. Uh, by now, everyone is familiar with USC faking football player measurements for decades. The six foot seven tackles are barely taller than six foot three, than the six foot three coach, who everyone knows is only six feet, just like the support column they are standing next to. I know everyone fudges the numbers a bit, but this seems just seems ridiculous. Will Big Ten put an end to the SoCal's fabrications or let it destroy their conference the same way it destroyed the Pac-12? Does no one think about the kids who are athletic 5'11", 300-pounders giving up on their, again, football dreams, thinking they can't compete with these inflated numbers when they could one day be a center for the Browns? Attached reference for your your body, uh, Christian Ravino. I think that he's talking about Christian Ravino. What is the? Let me see what the... Oh, okay. So it's a picture. It has Cliff Kingsbury and a couple of USC offensive linemen that look about the same. Okay. To be fair, though, in the photo, Cliff Kingsbury is like a step ahead of both of the offensive linemen. And a step ahead of one of them and at least two steps ahead of the other one. When you go fishing, which I do, and you take a picture of the fish, David, mm-hmm. you don't hold it back here, you hold it up here. It looks it's a lot It's all about perspective. It looks a lot bigger. So I would not say that that's an even just that photo you took of these players, you know, and the coach of fuel as a well. And I don't know how tall Cliff Kingsbury is, but So all
0: programs lie about the heights right. and weights. But I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't famous famous very funny story is oh. one of the NFL combines, uh some of the UCLA players participated, and they didn't perform that well. Then they had the Pro Day. This was during the peak of the Jim Mora era. Okay. And it was like the Anthony Barrier. And he ran like, I don't know, he ran like a 4.55 five or a 4.6 or something. So good, yeah. yeah. Gets to the UCLA one, and Mora comes out at the end of it. We weren't allowed to watch. And he's like, electronically timed at 4.38. <laughs> and it was every single guy was like sub four, five. Uh, and we're all like just these incredible measurements and and uh, drills. And it's just, yeah, it's propaganda. It's just to uh, inflate your program. And uh, you should probably keep it semi-believable so that you're respected going forward. But sometimes they're going to be a little ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Uh, or, Well, he had one more little part to that. He said, P.S. Gladys, Washington fans get to listen to the podcast again after being excluded for the last 13 months. I don't know why you'd have been excluded. Um, We've talked about. Michael Penix more than anybody, probably. Penix. Uh, we also had Chris who said you have to convert for the, the temperature thing. You have to convert to Kelvin, which is absolute temperature, to answer. Only, and he says only absolute temperature has any meaning.
0: Yeah, that's my point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All this, all the rest of this is just like subjective assessments to make numbers feel good. He's a USCEE on my site. so yeah. uh, So he was an electrical engineer like I was. Yeah.
2: And he remembers more about Kelvin than I do, because that was a long time ago. Yeah. And I do this now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. This is from Boone. Picking games. Oh. Huh. Hi, guys. Love the show. I'd pay for Patreon. New tagline. More subscribers than the Pac-12 Apple deal. Ooh, I like it. That's Wh- pretty good. Will you share your picks for all the games for Pac-12 teams again this year?
2: Hell to the yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll be next week. Yeah, we'll start doing... um. Uh,
2: and we will also, hopefully, it's Matthew, right, that does this, the picking yes. contest. Um, yeah, Matthew, I know you can buy us drinks in Vegas and stuff, but now you got to get back on the- Get know, back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Do your stuff for free. Yeah. It's not like you have to like care about Stanford or anything, right? Like, Yeah, on. no.
0: Uh,
2: I think we have a text message, if this is- Several, a yeah. In is a it? Row. Oh, they're all in a row. Okay. Uh, Ryan, quote, USC is the culprit for the down, to the downfall of the Pac-12 because, quote, trust me, bro.
0: Oh, wait, no, he corrected
2: it. Oh, correction. Ryan, USC is not the culprit to the downfall of the Pac-12 because, trust me, bro. And then he says, I've never heard you guys talk about how USC president stopped the expansion of the Pac-12 that would have kept it together. Then they stabbed them in the back. It's, it's a weird flex to take responsibility uh, from usc so was it they mentioned that in the la times article as this well this was
0: good so uh carol Folt was representing the interests of both ucla and usc at a meeting discussing the potential for expansion adding all of the big 12 teams that wanted to come as a bundle and basically do a merger in summer 2021 okay so this was prior to uh a year or so prior to ucla and usc departing the league okay at that time I can virtually guarantee you, based on reading the TikToks and timelines of all this stuff, Carol Fault had no idea USC would be an entirely different conference the next year. hundred percent. So she was operating they, they from- They
2: didn't hire Lincoln Riley. They didn't- yeah, yeah,
0: And that this stuff. is important. She was operating from just traditional USC mindset of, what's the point? Why would we add them? Right? Yeah. And I think, to be fair, probably the UCLA mindset too. Like I don't think either school would have any interest in further diluting their own money. That being said, this was an opportunity, again, for George Klyavkov to make a very strong affirmative case for expansion. Uh, Something that, like, Brett Yormark... Hearing some of what he says, like, I, I think, you know, maybe if the wind had blown it a little bit differently, he would have been a laughingstock, too. But he just sounds like he had a better vision for what needed to happen than Klyavkov ever did. Yeah. And look, maybe he was pretty strong in the room, but everything I'm hearing is that, like, once he got a little bit of pushback, it was like, oh, okay, I guess we can't do that. And uh, I think he needed to be a stronger representative of the future interests of the league to people who are, you know, not... The thing is, Carol Fult, maybe she has an opinion. How strong is it? Like, could yeah. she be convinced otherwise? Is she into sports that much? And that's the part where I think... You know, we could have been talking about a twenty-team Pac-12, Big Twelve thing that might have been really interesting, um, and might have been able to withstand some of the vagaries of fate, and might have also been able to get an interesting media deal. Uh, you know, maybe something that overpays some of the smaller schools and gets everyone up to like thirty-five or forty million a year. Who knows?
2: Yeah, and I think if she's representing UCLA in that meeting, and you're like, oh, "This is our general thought is we don't really want to expand." Then that's when your strong leader comes in with "Here's why we need to do this," pointing out that if we don't expand, they could come and get us. You know, and you're basically like, "They if we don't eat them now, they could eat us later." Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, this makes sense. But I agree with you. I don't think Carol Fult, a year prior to leaving knew that they were going to be. Yeah, even thought that was a possibility.
0: And you know, she's strong. You know, the whole thing. But um, I think. When you're the subject matter expert, uh, expert, even if you are essentially their employee, which George Klayovkov is, yeah. you still have to, you know, you got to know your shit and then you got to stick to your guns. And knowing your shit probably entailed understanding there was going to be systemic risk uh, for the entire league if he allowed USC to big dick him right there. Yeah. And he did. And so the end result is... USC was afforded the the time and the space to Okay, we'll, we'll ditch then. We're out. Um and would they've been able to if uh if they'd agreed to some sort of expansion deal? Uh No, they probably would have signed a contract. They probably right? would have pre-negotiated a media deal. Yeah. I mean, there would have been a lot of stuff going on when they were trying to expand. So, anyway, there's a lot of um a lot of stuff that I think in retrospect you would like to do over if you're Klyavkov and probably millions of fans of these Programs.
2: Ernesto uh, says the Big Ten should just give $10 million to Cal and Stanford. They'd probably take it. That's what I'm saying.
0: Like, give them a super low ball, but just get them in there. Yeah. Like, tell them, oh, we'll give you half a deal next time around, but this time you're only getting uh, fourth. Whatever. So they would, they would be
2: making, tw- Cal would be making 20 with the 10 from UCLA and the Calamony and then the 10. i was just
0: kidding. <laughs> Is there a real – what's Calimony now? Is that really a thing? I don't know. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see. I think it, a lot of it d- depends on Cal's situation. I wouldn't be surprised if Cal gets screwed and then suddenly, like, Calimony becomes real and the mount gets increased. Like, I don't know. This whole situation with the destabilization of Cal uh, makes it all a little squishier um, because can you tie – Cal's situation, at least in part, to UCLA's decision now? I mean, partially, but so many other things had happened. So many other things happen. You're part but of the Pac twelve. Like can that case be made? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you're part of a Pac twelve that's going to still probably I mean, even at twenty five million a year with the Apple T V deal, that would have been an increase over what they were getting in the previous deal, right? Like about three or four million a year. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So it would have been an increase in revenue. So you could make a case that, like, no, we didn't hurt them. They increased their revenue. But now if they have to drop down to, like, $8 bucks and be in the, like, Mountain West, good God.
2: And the, the crazy thing is, okay, I, I get it. Like, you're still talking about this. We are because when we're talking about things that are happening, like, okay, what's going to happen to the expanded college football playoffs in 2026? Because the deal is only for 2024 and 2025. We don't know what it's going to be in 2026 college football is going to be very different in 2026 anyway this is like literally the next football season like we are less than a you know when all this stuff happens we are less than a year out from but you know you already have your schedules or you normally would have your schedules for 2024 you know what's going on they don't even know where they're going to be let alone have a media rights deal to like put their games on television which is almost certainly going to be streaming um whatever it is but that's why this is just crazy right now. These big, you know, these brands that were in a Power 5 conference are just kind of in limbo. So,
0: yeah. we're curious what happens there. What's the next question? Uh, so, the next one. Hey, guys. Uh, wait. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I was just making sure we got through all the text messages. Okay. All right. This is from Greg. Hey, guys. Uh, my freshman year of college, my buddies and I put a $1,000 down payment to rent a townhouse. We then proceeded to tear the shit out of that place and we're not giving back our down payment. In fact, we have to pay an extra t- 1000 Shouldn't the eight Pac-12 schools leaving have to pay the remaining four schools because they did basically the same thing? Maybe they can rebuild the Pac-12 with that money. Thanks, Greg. Uh, you like the analogy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, it's not the same thing. Um, now, if I live in a house with you and 11 of... Like, if we if I live in a house with 11 friends, Kay. one of them's you. Um, I and we're friend? all i guess uh and we're all like paying rent on the place okay um and then you and i we decide to leave and skip out on our rent right and then and like it's like we've got rent for another year we also it's like a money-making operation too like it's half of a business like maybe we're doing like some sewing in there or something like you and i would crochet okay um i'd like to learn to crochet wouldn't you uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but yeah, not something nice. I've yearned to do. So we're doing a crochet business, um, and we decided to like, okay, we're gonna leave this apartment in a year, um, and we know you guys are locked into like, uh, basically if if we leave, you're gonna have to move into uh a much smaller place where you're all gonna have to like sleep in like bunk beds, right? <laughs> okay, but we don't care. Because uh, we can go do our crocheting over here yeah. and we've got like industrial stuff that'll make it really fast. Um, And then after we do that, everyone else is like, well, maybe we can get two new roommates or maybe we can get somebody to overpay us for the house or, you know, overpay us for our crocheted goods. And then that all falls apart. And then the four remainder, like it's not even like they're going to have to go live in bunk beds in a smaller place anymore. But now they have to like, I don't know. They're, like, living in the sewer like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gotcha. um, and doing their crochet there. Like, do you owe anything to the people that you've built, like, a partnership with uh, making, like, crocheted, like, bonnets and stuff? No, I mean, I think that's the thing. There's no – there was a contract.
2: Right. We're just leaving at the end of the contract. So there isn't, like, this obligation there. We didn't ruin the house. And the house we were living but in – what if,
0: like, the crocheted materials that you've been making, like, they they – the way they're made, like, the pattern matching is, like, you have to, like, you have to work with the other people in the house to make the, like, beautiful patterns that everyone's gotten used to. And now you're going to be making, like, a new pattern.
2: Right. And that's – but still not contractually obligated. But you're not still
0: obligated to give them any any of the proceeds from the new crochet materials. Right. But
2: you're, you're leaving. But then it would be one thing if, like, the house was amazing. But USC and UCLA are leaving. They're like, you know, the dishwasher never worked. And um, every time we walked up the stairs, it would creak. There was a lot of things sort of wrong with the house. And no one ever fixed the stuff that was wrong with the house. And it just seemed to be getting worse and more in disrepair. So those the two of but us went and you, found a new house. What if
0: you uh, had told the other members of the house and uh, the guy you hired to like represent your interests with other houses? What if you told them like a year before you decided to do this that uh, no – You actually don't want to expand the crochet business uh, (laughs) that would improve uh, everyone's livelihood. And in fact, uh, you think everyone should stand pat and then you bounce not more than a year later.
2: I think the thought process was if we we could add more bodies to the crocheting, but we're just splitting the money. We're not. They're not great crocheters coming in. Like, we're not adding. Uh,
0: yeah, there's no way to torture this analogy where uh, the 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 departing schools should owe the four schools money. It's hard to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just basing it on the regents logic in the first place with Cal and UCLA. But for everyone else, I just don't see how it makes sense.
2: Yeah, like if, if USC and UCLA said no to adding like, org, I mean, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, they're like, okay, that was dumb. But you're like, oh, you're not going to add Baylor. Like, okay, well, I mean, what does that bring? Like, that's what – the appealing thing about the Big 12 right now is there's not a brand that you want to steal. Right. Like, there's a lot of really good teams or good teams and and good football being played. But there's not like this brand that you just need to have. Like, the SEC and the Big 10 don't really want any of those brands. So that's what the Pac-12 would have been getting, some brand that the other big conferences don't really want. Yeah. Um, that's kind
0: of where we are. Yeah. Somebody not very good at crocheting.
2: Yeah. But they're, I mean, they're good at crocheting, but they're just
0: not well done. They're known great at crocheting. They, they're bad at marketing it. Um, <laughs> and they live in a part of town where uh, nobody really pays attention yeah. to what they're selling. All right. Uh, we beat that to death. Frank in
2: Sacramento says, Money is essential for college football.
0: Can we stop saying that money
2: wrecked college football? Money created college football and has always affected it. Money is why Yale built a 70,000 seat stadium. 100 years ago money is why the ncaa sued in the 80s to stop restrictions on what games were televised money is why we have 40 plus mostly crummy bowl games where six win teams play in second tier cities to fill hotels and restaurants in december money is why the ncaa wanted players to risk their health for free money is why the big 10 sec and pac-12 expanded over the past 20 years money is why the bcs was created and expanded college football Money pays for all the other sports from Frank.
0: So, Frank, you listed a lot of things. Some are good. Some are bad. Um, But the – I mean the big thing is the money has gotten so big and so prevalent and such a big factor that it now outweighs all the other stuff. Um, If Rutgers – again, I go back to the Rutgers example, but Nebraska is just as good. Uh, if any of these schools were geared around the idea of we want to maintain competitive standing, uh, they wouldn't have made the decisions they're making. Um, and that's true for everybody. It's true for USC and UCLA, too. The the reasons they're doing this is money. Um, the reason Oregon and Washington did it is money. Uh, even if you say apples to apples, maybe they could get $30 million uh, with a renegotiated Pac-12 deal in the short term. Uh, they're going to make a whole shitload more in the next big 10 deal um, because they will be full pay members then. So it's all money. Um, Money is driving every single decision in this now. And it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always just pure money. Uh, Money drives a lot of it. Money drives bowl games. Money drives, uh, you know, what did you say here? Money drives expansion in the earlier days. Money drove the BCS. Sure. All that's true. But there was also a competitive element to it. The BCS, yes, money drove it. But what was, what was the BCS trying to do, Ryan? Determine a national champion. Determine one true champion. Do you know what's yeah. been the challenge in college football forever that everyone's been trying to solve forever? How to determine a, one true champion. Yeah. That's been a priority. But now we are uh, so far down the road. And I'm not going to get into my playoff expansion arguments now because it seems kind of second fiddle. Uh, but why were the playoffs expanded? Was it to determine one true champion? Uh money. <laughs> money. The playoffs are. <laughs> well it expanded. might have been. No, I mean, there's some No, no. Stuff. The more teams you introduce, the more vagaries you introduce, the more randomness you introduce. Yeah. No. It was again money. It was just money. Um you 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 settle on a four team playoff rather than BCS. The reason you do that is also money. Um whatever you want to say about the BCS, it was you probably ended up with a truer result in the playoff. So anyway, uh, long story short, money I, – so I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know if this is all going to get ruined or if it's you know a, a, a strong enough institution that it will all bounce back from this. But I don't think you can look at what's happened in the last year, listen to the resounding number of voices from writers, people who cover the teams, fans, uh, coaches, ADs, and think anything that just happened is good. Like anything that just happened is for the health of the sport. And everyone agrees universally it was all because of money. And that is a difference. Like it wasn't – there's two things happening. And one that's kind of unheralded is this college football season, I believe, this is the first one, they're changing the clock rules. Yeah, Uh, They're taking minutes away from football games. Like actual like measurable – like it's probably going to shave off about three or four minutes of actual gameplay. Not three or four minutes from the broadcast, three or four minutes of actual gameplay. Why are they doing this? uh to give No, no, there's an answer. Uh for the good of the game? Money. Health? They're doing it for health. money. They're going to say it's for health, Player it's health. for money. They want to fit more games in these windows. They don't want to have overlap. They don't want to have TV broadcast problems. It's yeah. money. And they it's don't want to like
2: reduce the number
0: of commercials that it's would All the stupid money. Yeah. Um so anyway, yeah, there's changes happening in college sports that have nothing to do with improving the product for you the fan. All right. And it's all about money.
2: Let's move on. We got to get done here.
0: Oh, you want to be done? Well, hopefully, it's,
2: mm. we got We're at the two-hour mark. So I don't think
0: we have. Oh, we got one more. Or got, maybe got two a few more. more. I think. Right. Well, I'm going to Rob in Seattle. The other ones look like
2: trash. Oh no, there's there's a so, so um I don't know who sent it in, but they oh it's Moffitt. Jonathan Moffat.
0: Oh, okay. This tweet. All right. Yeah. Post by Projection Sports on Twitter. If college football adopted the promotion relegation system, relegation games would draw so many reviewers. uh, And it's a relegation system that uh, has a premier league of 16 teams. Uh, The Pac 12 teams are Oregon and USC and Utah. uh, And then, you know, your usual suspects, weirdly, Kansas State, I think.
2: He has Kansas State in the tier, so yeah, this is
0: okay, Whatever suspect already, and then a championship league of uh, where they would have so that Premier League would have twelve team playoff and bottom four relegated to Championship League. The Championship League, which includes Oregon State, UCLA, uh, Washington, Washington, and that's it. Uh, they would be uh, you know four teams get promoted to the Premier, bottom four relegated to League One. Then League One would include... Um, Washington State. Washington State. Do you see any of the Legos that look familiar? I don't see any other okay. ones from the Pac-12. And then so on and so forth. League Two would be Cal and Arizona and ASU. Um, and then the bottom would be just four regional leagues. So each league, so there's Premier, this looks, Championship... Okay, first, first, hang on. Okay. This looks fun as hell. Um, oh, it does. The yeah. problem is... Uh, with any kind of relegation system that's national is in some way trying to balance the money. Uh, You can balance the money within the different leagues, but competing to enter. I just don't know how you would pay it out. I don't know how you would pay out the different amounts of money, Um, but the reality of being able to promote four teams every single year and being able to relegate four teams every single year would be really, really cool and put a lot of pressure within each division, to get up to a certain level or down to a certain level. The problem is you've got to decouple all of this from how you fund Olympic sports and how you fund non-revenue sports. This cannot be the model for those. It could, in theory, be a separate model for men's basketball and a separate model for football um, and do it similarly with both. Uh, But you would have to decouple all of that from where the non-revenue sports play. Yeah, Those would still have to be in regional leagues. Um, but some sort of semi-professionalization like this, I think, would make everyone super excited. I think everyone would really, really enjoy this. And you could still maintain rivalries across divisions uh, if you wanted to. Um, but it would allow for, I think, a lot more um, excitement and fun. And people would be able to follow at like – if you're in League 2 – but you know you've got a good run coming with like a quarterback who can really play and you know you can win league two and maybe next year you're in league one and then you get to the championship league and it's like, oh my God, we could get to the premier league. It's Fresno State. That's incredible. Uh, I think it'd be really, really exciting. It would give you program implications for small stuff on the field that I think that's what a lot of this like playoff search, if you're looking for a reason why it's pertaining to like play on the field rather than just money, it's to give more people access to the playoff now in reality the playoff doesn't do that the reality is the playoff is just going to mean more sec teams get in every year uh but this theoretically does improve access because you could have you know georgia suddenly has a bad run they're out of the premier league and they're not making as much money um there could be a lot of really fun things this will never happen but something like this would i think save the sport in a lot of ways i
2: like some of the aspects of the like um they have four leagues, essentially. And each of them has a 12-team playoff. And if you're in the top four, you move up. And if you're the bottom four, except for the uh, League Two, if you're the bottom eight, you get relegated down to your geographical district. I maybe not need four leagues, and you could have a bigger geographical district. Something like that would be interesting. And I don't know if it's like a one-time, like, can you go win League Two, win League One, win, you know, and like in four years be in the Premier League? I, th- I think it might be... You know, if Georgia has one bad year, do you want to knock them down? Or you have to? it has to happen twice or something like that. Um, I don't know how the Premier League works, like if they just move everyone up and down every year. They also play a lot more games if you do that. There's like, you know, whatever, I believe. Um, But yeah, there's some interesting aspects to it. I believe that, you know, it wouldn't happen. Um, But, you know, I like some of that. I I would like to see more of the regional, geographic stuff included. Um, It is, but only on the
0: very bottom tier. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I don't know how the scheduling would work in, the, uh, in those leagues either. Yeah. But it's a fun idea to toy around with. And I think something like that could, especially if this does what I think it's going to do, which is kill a little bit of interest, um, that might be a great reclamation project at some point. Cool.
2: Uh, and I think we have one last one. Rob in Seattle, he says, Pac-12 propaganda and the inside story on the failed media deal. Curious to know if either of you read Jason Shear's recent story uh, about the final days of the Pac-12. Uh, he said he would highly recommend giving it a read. We actually talked about it at the beginning of the show. Um, and he said, let's see, uh, do you have any notable takeaways or follow-up thoughts? I think we shared those. There's some pretty damning material in there for a handful of individuals. Without directly summarizing the article, as a Washington fan, I appreciated reading that the blame being placed on Washington and Oregon is largely misplaced and unwarranted, not to say that we shoulder no blame, but hearing that the narrative being pushed by certain schools and reporters is seriously flawed was welcome news. Truth be told, I honestly don't mind some of the vitriol being thrown our way by Washington State and Oregon State fans, because if the roles were somehow reversed, I would be devastated. Uh, They get a free pass for however long they need to grieve. But that being said, I'm not mad to see that the record is being set straight for the history books the inevitable, quote, quilling, killing the Pac-12 Netflix documentary will be a wild viewing experience after all this drama. Keep up the work, boys. Go, dogs, Rob Seattle.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for whatever the postscript uh, documentary is going to look like. Yeah. And
2: Jason did a good job. He kind of goes after some reporters and stuff sometimes, like try to give people the benefit of the doubt or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't think you can say blame there. But I think a lot of the blame is the president's and, like you mentioned, Klyovkov. Um you know, poor leadership without the poor leadership. I think a lot of this stuff doesn't happen, Yeah. but then people are, you have poor leadership and then schools acting in their best interests. So did the the schools kill it or they're just saying, Hey, this is what's best for us. We see that we have a terrible, you know, if you're, if you're working at some company making widgets, David, and you know, your CEO sucks and some other widget companies like cross the streets, like, Hey man, I know you're doing a good job making widgets. You come over there, like you're basically acting on your best interest. Where maybe you were going to stay, but you realize, man, my CEO's a putz. I'm not going to stay. Um, it's hard to blame the worker that's going to leave, but that's that's kind of what I would look at it. But yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think we had a couple questions. Um, this one, I don't know what the name is uh, from YouTube. Which football league is better and more? And more quality, the Saudi League or the MLS League? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about those. No. Uh, I just started, and I didn't – I just thought it was a question. But it wasn't a question that we could have answered. And Ernesto says, we haven't heard from Champagne Larry audio clip. Did he kill the conference? He did kill the conference, so maybe it should be played at least one time per show. He, he mortally wounded the conference. Yeah. And I don't have the clip. Uh, I think I have it somewhere. I'd have to find it or something, which
0: you know takes work. His his situation would be like one of those whodunits, where like technically did he did he hurt it so badly that he could have been the murderer? Yes. Did he actually deliver the final blow? No, it was another man. Yeah, George Klyavkov, and maybe like uh, Michael Crow.
2: Connor says we literally just got relegated, so it exists. Um, That's what uh, Oregon
0: Oregon State Yeah, but it's not fun relegation. There's no hope of returning. And you you won 10 games. Yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid relegation. There needs to be a system in place where like, okay, Colorado, you played like 10 years of horrible football. You're not a Power Five anymore, but you can work your way back into it maybe someday. Uh, And, oh, Oregon State, you're having a great run right now. Great, you're up into the Premier League. Isn't that funny? Wow, this is cool. Not like... Oh, sorry, you don't make enough money, so you're out in the boonies with friggin' Idaho or whatever. Like, that's shitty. We don't want that. Nobody yeah. wants that for Oregon State.
2: Uh, Brian says, why does Ryan always make these weird analogies? That's kind of like my thing. I just come up with analogies. And I wouldn't say they're weird. I usually don't come up with one that doesn't – it usually makes some sense. And I thought my think.
0: crochet one was really sweet. I, I thought it was very
2: good. I loved your, like, stealing the copper from the walls, you know? Um, that's like literally kind of shit that was going down. You know, like there's still value in the Pac-12, but it's not like the schools that are left. It's like you are, they still have that AC, like automatic qualifier thing. Um, You have these leftover, you know, to be paid out later NCAA tournament units. Like there's, there's value that you're just like, oh, I don't really know. I mean, that's the one weird one that I try to, that I always use is like, literally we could start a company we could take it public, and we and it fails, we go bankrupt. The stock goes to zero. Like there's still value. Like the fact it takes some work to get that stock ticker symbol. Um, there's value just that you took it p- p- public, even though your company failed. It was terrible. Everything you did, they're still worth something because of that. The fact you've already taken it public, which is just kind of weird. So right. All right, we should probably wrap things up. Uh, great stuff, everybody. We had a whole bunch of people watching live. So thank you for that. We had over 100 at some point. So thank you uh, for doing that. I don't know, like this whole destabilization of the Pac-12 currency uh, has, has helped us, I guess, in our viewership. But thank you for tuning in. I know more than two hours, which is absolutely insane. And thank you for listening across all the different podcasting platforms. You want to do a little pose for our screenshot? What, you want to do anything for that? Point point at the camera. I like that. Okay. For David Edwards, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.